Hello, and welcome to Kick Out 299. I'm Rachel. My pronouns are they, them. And I'm Alicia. My pronouns are she, her. We are bringing you today the long-awaited part two of our next stream rivals episodes and i want to apologize for the length of time in between them that was definitely not our intention when we had released part one but i was dealing with an incredible amount of burnout and recognized that and i needed to step away from the amount of work that some of these episodes take to put together so i am really excited though to be giving this episode to you guys now I think that inherently waiting to put this one out almost benefited us because so much has happened with some of the major players of this faction that there's actually a lot more to talk about. So the timing is sort of on our side for that, at least uh, for our purposes today. The importance of these episodes is to call back to the line that Jinsei Shinzaki said once to Keno, you have to make a rival. We really want to put a bow on how Kento sought to make his rivals. I want to just say thank you once again to Kana, who translated a lot of our materials from part one, but also to Rachel, who did such an incredible job in translating materials, not only in part one, but extensively through today. Everything that's in this episode has been translated by Rachel, and they did an incredible job. And I think it has added so much to the story of Next Dream. Yeah, and translating it was a pleasure. I have to say that reading it all, translating it all, and watching it all in order is a unique pleasure. And I think you guys are going to get a lot out of it for this episode. So definitely stick around and enjoy it. Without further ado, let's get into it. So to start, I'm just going to walk through some background information on Naoya and Yuma, but I'm going to start with Naoya. He was born on October 26, 1993 in Kanazawa City, Ishikawa Prefecture in Japan. He wanted to be a wrestler from about third grade, and he was in elementary school when he started playing rugby to get in shape. He entered the All Japan Dojo in October 2013 when he was 20 years old. This was an incredibly chaotic time for the promotion. We've discussed the details of this period at length in several prior episodes of Kickout, but the departure of President Keiji Muto, who led an exodus of wrestlers out of All Japan and went on to form Wrestle One, left All Japan in this incredibly difficult position. And if you want the full download on that, check out our episode with Dr. Jonathan Foy on his book, The Muto Years, and purchase the book on Amazon. But rather than leave with other wrestlers following Muto to wrestle one, Naoya stayed with All Japan and became the first rookie to debut in the post-Muto era on March 30th, 2014, in a losing effort against the late and great Atsushi Aoki at a show in Kanazawa Distribution Hall. Naoya would be part of the group that would become Jun Akiyama, who had been made president, and All Japan's new hope for its future, led by rising star and young ace in the making, Kento Miyahara. The critical gamble for Akiyama would be preparing the up-and-comers for Kento, who was already years ahead of the available talent in the dojo due to beginning his career with Kensuke Office. Now, Yuma Aoyagi was born on November 2nd, 1995 in Matsumoto City, Nagano Prefecture in Japan. His father's name is Ichino, and his mother's name is Yumi. We know that Yuma's second oldest brother is Atsuki, who is also a wrestler that followed Yuma's footsteps into pro wrestling, but Yuma and Atsuki also have three younger siblings. In a May 2023 article for NBS TV, Yuma spoke about growing up going to wrestling shows with Atsuki and Ichino, who was a major wrestling fan as well. 
Ichino wanted to be a professional wrestler himself and sent his resume to a promotion when he graduated from high school, but he didn't hear from them and abandoned the idea altogether. Yuma played soccer growing up, which helped him get in shape. He entered the All Japan Dojo on April 1st, 2014, after graduating from high school, so he would have been about 19 years old. His debut match on December 14th in Cork in that same year was against none other than All-Asia Tag Champion Kento Miyahara, who was in his Exceed era with Goshiyazaki, Yohei Nakajima, aka Black Menso Ray today, and tag teammate Kotaro Suzuki. Once again, I don't think that the Aoyagi brothers have eldest of five energy. That blew my mind. No, they do not. Um, yeah, this this was really interesting background for both of them. I really like, and, and I liked how you sort of drove this point home, how important it was to create these rivals for Kento, especially with Naoya. Like we're facing this real issue where we need someone who can go against him or else the promotion is just not going to succeed. So I really enjoyed that. And then just with the Aoyagis, again, like you you just don't expect them to be the eldest of five. So yeah, this was just really, really good information. Just really interesting to go over. Absolutely. And we're going to touch upon how Naoya and Yuma coming up in what is described as an empty dojo affected them. And there's some quotes later on from Kenji Miao that we're going to read. So we'll, we'll come back to that point later too. In Kenta Kobashi's February 11th, 2015 column from Shupro number 1777, Kobashi visited the All Japan Dojo in Yokohama, where Kobashi himself had spent eight years training. He noted, quote, when I first joined All Japan Pro Wrestling, the dojo was located in Kanuda, Setagayaku, Tokyo, and moved to its current location shortly before Jun Akiyama's debut, which must have been in 1992. While in the Yokohama dojo at the time of the article in 2015, Kobashi was feeling very nostalgic and remarked that the building had hardly changed. This article is a little tough to follow up points because it seems like he is talking to June about their joint practices and what the culture of training used to be like. The reason I mention this article at all is because in the dojo with them that day are a young Naoya and Yuma who were there training with Atsushi Aoki, who is not only a wrestler, but the head trainer in the All Japan Dojo and president of talent relations until he passed away in 2019. I'm going to read the relevant part of the article to you so that you get Kobashi's thoughts on young Naoya, Yuma, and their training. Quote, on this day, two newcomers, Nomura and Aoyagi, were being coached by Aoki in the ring. Aoki also teaches wrestling to children and is an exceptionally good teacher. He is also an excellent leader. As for practice, newcomers can do as much as they want. Working hard is important, and if you can't work hard now, you won't be able to do it in the future. In this world, you are not finished after five years or 10 years, after 10 or 20 years. The flavor of what you did when you were young will rise to the top. And he's talking here about how they have to condition themselves when they're young. He goes on to say, of course, whether the flavors come out or not is up to the individual, and some people may not be able to make it in five years. Everything is what you make it, and the important thing is to keep going. If they think about how they can do what they couldn't do today and keep practicing, they will make progress little by little. That is what I expect from them. Neither Nomura nor Aoyagi is a natural genius. That is not a bad thing, but they practice because they cannot do it innately. If you want to make it in this world, it is only natural to practice. If you feel frustrated because your seniors are being harsh with you, you need to do more and more. Even if it's just practice, if you feel frustrated, you should express your frustration. 
It's not like strike while the iron is hot, but the best thing to do now is to work hard and not to think this is good enough. Nomura is 21 years old and Aoyagi is 19. It is enough for them to practice in the dojo all the time. What I can say is that if they have time to go out to play, they should practice instead. And instead of taking a step back and saying, oh, we're still young, I want them to always have the feeling that they are the ones who support all Japan. There's actually a part two to this column, but I don't own the issue of Shoe Pro that includes it. So we may never know where Kobashi-san was going with his cooking motif. But I thought this was compelling and that he, like I think many others, felt that Naoya and Yuma were not, quote unquote, natural geniuses. They did not take to wrestling innately, like there's some, maybe some of their peers did, maybe a Kento Miyahara, right? We've talked about this on Talking Triple Crown, and this shifts in a different way as they develop, but it was interesting to see that stated so plainly here. And of course, you get lots of Kobashiisms about hard work and wanting to impart a certain sense of responsibility on these two young wrestlers, because they are representing all Japan at the end of the day. I also really loved Kobashi's comments about Aoki specifically, because they were so thoughtful and so kind, and he knew him from a time where he was very young. I'm going to cover the single series between Kento and Naoya and Kento and Yuma separately, but I want to touch on some of what was going on for Naoya and Yuma in the earliest rookie days before we get into Next Stream. Naoya had a rough start to his career, and unfortunately, this served as a bit of a foreshadowing, perhaps. But in May of 2014, he needed to take time away to address a joint injury in his foot. He was out until October of 2014. In another act of perfect synergy amongst these guys, Naoya's first career win came against Yuma on January 2nd, 2015 at All Japan's New Year War Show. Afterward, Naoya announced his intention to join Suwama's Evolution and challenged for the Gaora TV title, which was held at the time by Yohei Nakajima. I want to note that October 23rd, 2015 is the first time that Jake Lee, Naoya, and Yuma team together, and it's in a match against Hiroshi Fukuda, Hoshi Tango, and Shuji Ishikawa of DDT, at least at the time for Shuji. Naoya and Yuma tagged together in the 2015 Real World Tag League, finishing with two points, their only win coming over Kenso and Osamu Nishimura. And at this point, Yuma was actually a junior heavyweight. He starts out as a junior heavyweight and moves later on to heavyweight when him and Naoya start to capture the All-Asia Tag belts, but we'll get back to that. It's almost hard to believe, though, like with how Yuma looks now. It's it's mm-hmm. one of those things like with Sugira, you don't really ever like, oh, yeah, he was a junior. Yeah, not with Yuma. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense for either of them, but absolutely. <laughs> Yuma's only 2014 match was his debut against Kento and his 2015 was a very rookie 2015. His most important match is perhaps being that real world tag league with Naoya. We talked about this in Next Stream Part 1, but I'll recap for everyone listening now. Kento had been offered a spot in Evolution by Suwama after Exceed had come to an end in November 2015. He refused, but teamed with Suwama during that year's Real World Tag League anyway. Suwama and Kento won the tournament after facing the big guns, the bodyguard and Zeus, on December 6th in Idion Arena Osaka No. 2. But Suwama attacked him afterwards and said, I used Miyahara to win the tournament. <laughs> and my prize is even bigger than the trophy. Sorry, Suwama's funny. The prize he was referring to was... Naoya Nomura, who had come out from the back, and then he shook hands with Suwama, showing that he would finally join Evolution like he had wanted to, going all the way back to January 2015. Naoya said of his decision, I will be the ace of all Japan, hoping to become a star of hope, quote unquote, for the promotion. So again, driving home that need for new stars in an era where the locker rooms had emptied again as people followed Keiji Muto out to wrestle one. 
This is where Jake Lee, who had been at ringside, came in to defend Kento. Kento's response to all of this had been, in 2016, I and the Heisei generation will lead all Japan. It's self-satisfying to say I've had a long career. Me and Jake don't have a long career, but we have a shot. And that is how we get to the formation of their tag union on December 16th and the official naming of Nextstream on December 25th, 2015. Naya starts out his 2016 by shaving his eyebrows and dyeing his hair blonde. And I do not think he ever used toner for the entire time he had that hairstyle because the color was more like yellow. He finally got his match against Yohei Nakajima for the Gaora on January 3rd in Korokin, his first title challenge in all Japan, but he lost. Naya also participated in his first champion carnival in 2016, and he won his opening match against the bodyguard on April 9th in Korokin, but went on to lose the rest of his matches. The thing about Naoya and Evolution is that his joining the faction almost perfectly coincided with Suwama rupturing his Achilles tendon and having to be stripped of the Triple Crown only 10 days after winning it for the fifth time. This means that in 2016, Naoya hardly works with anyone from Evolution because Suwama was out from January to early July, and Joe Doring couldn't make his return at Champion Carnival that year because he was diagnosed with a brain tumor, meaning that there were no heavyweights in Evolution around for Naoya to tag with. He worked maybe two tags with Aoki, and one with Sato. But otherwise, on paper, it's really easy to forget that Naoya was part of Evolution at all. He had terrible luck, and, and it just continues. Like you said, it's it's just sort of a prelude to what his career is <laughs> in a lot of ways. In a lot of ways, unfortunately. It's, oh, it's such a shame. He did have a lot of singles matches during this time, so inherently it's it's good experience for him anyway but there's just nothing that really ties him to evolution during this period at all because he hardly worked with sato or aoki so really it was probably no surprise that on july 23rd a few weeks after suwama returned from that injury Naoya announced that he wanted to leave evolution of his own accord after an evolution tag team loss at hakata starlands in fukuoka the official date of Naoya's leaving evolution is recorded as july 30th because he and suwama had an already scheduled singles match that on that day and suwama wanted Naoya to give him his thoughts again after their match in chiba suwama handles Naoya very differently than he handles just about everybody else I'm going to quote from the first of many articles written by the fantastic Kenji Miao here, and some of you listening might remember his name from other kickout episodes as Miao-san is to the All Japan Shoe Pro Beat as Hikaru Inoue is to the Noah Shoe Pro Beat. Miao-san wrote in issue number 1862 from August 17th, 2016, quote, If this had been just a challenge match, Suwama would have left immediately after being declared the winner. However, he had told Nomura to, quote, let me know what he thinks in this singles match. So he stood up and waited until Nomura could speak. Nomura joined Evolution this year, but he had been struggling to take strides and produce results. He decided to leave the team because he felt that just following the strong seniors was not enough. He expressed his feelings to Suwama at the July 23rd Hakata event. Suwama did not give an immediate answer, but instead said that he would ask Nomura to give his thoughts again after the singles match at the Chiba event, which had already been scheduled. This was the background of this match. Suwama heard Nomura say on the microphone, quote, I will never change my mind when I said I wanted to leave in Hakata. And Suwama replied, quote, to be honest, I think it's too soon for you to leave here. But if you won't change your mind, even after being beaten to pieces, you should quit evolution and pursue a path to become stronger. Nomura's departure from Evolution was now official, but he did not abandon the group because it was weak. Quote, when you get stronger, come back to Evolution. I'll be waiting for you, Suwama added. I'm sure Nomura is looking forward to how far he can go on his own. 
Even beaten down, Nomura realized that this beatdown had Suwama's parental affection behind it, a deep-seated encouragement that goes beyond a normal thrashing. Quote, I'll come back stronger than ever. Nomura vowed to come back stronger and set out on a new path. This was just really sweet. Like this, um, we talk about it, and we actually talked about it recently on Talking Triple Crown of how Suwama shows that affection towards um, a lot of like the wards in evolution and, and just people in general is, is by beating them down, but by giving them honest encouragement on the way of um, get stronger, come back to me. And that's just such a Suwama thing. And the fact that he's giving that to Naoya here is significant and does show, you know, what they want out of Naoya in this promotion. Yeah, I think that it's one of the earlier moments that shows you that they're not just building now yet into just being a guy for the promotion, right? There is a sense that, yes, Kento Niyahara is the rising young ace in this company, and that's vitally important, but they're also looking at Naoya to do the same thing. In a lot of ways, you can actually compare the Kento Naoya sort of dynamic to what Kento Anzai is mm. right now. Yeah, I could definitely see that. It's a good shout. To finish catching us all up to speed on Yuma through 2016, on February 12th, 2016, Yuma also had his first title challenge against Yohei Nakajima for the Gaora TV title in Corrigan, and he lost. Apparently, to become a star in this company, you had to lose to the man who had become Black Benzo Ray when he was Gaora champion. I did check Jake's records, and no, he did not have the same experience, but it's still funny to me. Yuma took part in New Japan Super J Cup and lost his first round match against Tai Chi on July 20th in Corican. He was also in the opening tag during the finals on August 21st in Ariaki Coliseum. His team included David Finley and Ada, and they lost to Bushi, Gurukun Mask, and Kaji Tomato, which is really um, quite the lineup for an opener on this Super J Cup final. <laughs> And this occurs after Next Dream forms, but I do want to mention that Yuma and Soma Takao of DDT, they formed a tag team and participated in the 2016 Junior Tag Battle of Glory, and they made it to the finals on November 17th in Nishin City Small Hall. They were defeated by Atsushi Aoki and Hikaru Sato. You may as well lose to the best. Yuma and Naya joined up again as Next Dream and entered Real World Tag League, finishing with four points. This is the year Kento and Jake went to the finals, but lost to Get Wild, Takao Mori, and Manabu Soya. Okay, so now we get back into the next stream 1.0 years, and I'm also going to talk about Nomoyagi and Jake and Naoya here. So I want to do a tiny bit of recapping on next stream 1.0 because we covered the start of the faction extensively in part one. Perhaps pause and come back to this episode if you feel like you need the full refresher. I am really excited to say that thanks to Deswari being as locked on over creating a complete list of all Next Dream matches as I am, the September 19th, 2016 match where Kento and Jake defeat Naoya and Yuma, and then Kento offers them both a spot in Next Dream to create the faction, did indeed make tape, and it's available online. The match is in AJPW TV's library under a special Jake Lee series that aired on TV, so it's very easy to miss. But the critically important post-match with Kento speaking to Naoya and Yuma is cut out of that upload. You can view the entire match plus the post-match on VK. So check there or just message us if you would like to see it because it is worth it. The energy and ease between the four right from the very beginning is palpable. And you get to see Jake's face fall when Kento offers his hand to Naoya and Yuma, which is just amazing drama. 
I want to call your attention back to the next stream article from Shupro issue number 1872, October 19th, 2016. I quoted from in part one that we don't have an author for, but kind of translated for us. I'm going to read some of Naoya and Yuma's quotes from that article again, because I think they are important to keep in mind as we get into their respective single series with Kento. Naoya said of his decision to join next stream quote, I have just left evolution, so there are probably many people who have doubts about my decision, but today's All Japan needs young strength. I joined because I want to work with young people and feel that us young people have to get together and make exciting things happen. People in evolution definitely wouldn't be happy about this, so I think they will go hard on me when it comes to matches against them, but I have strong feelings about working in this team of youths, so I will use that feeling to fight against evolution's toughness and defeat them. Of course, there would be conflicts within the team as well, as I constantly have this desire to stand out the most even within Next Stream. Of course, I want to leave even a bigger impact than Miyahara-san, so this is also a battle against the Triple Crown champion as well. Yuma said of his decision to join Next Stream, Quote, I had been looking for an opportunity for myself to change, and since there was an opportunity right there, maybe it was a bit rash of me, but I took it because I want to improve myself in Next Stream, a team that is exclusively made up of the younger generation. When Miyahara-san invited me, I made the decision then and there because I felt that this would be the place for me to change. If evolution is going to be our enemy, I think we should never succumb to them no matter how strong they are. In order to change all Japan Parasu, we should never succumb to anything. Miyahara-san calls it the new scenery, so I want to start fighting to change the scenery of all Japan Paras together. To put it nicely, Sasa Takuma is what I expect, but I don't think everyone will necessarily get along with each other. I didn't join the team to make friends, but because I wanted a chance to change, so there definitely won't be, quote-unquote, working as a team. I want to become the best among the three of us, or even the four of us, including Miyahara. Miyahara-san's current partner is Jake Lee. I think that this is also a competition about whether the champion would recognize me as a partner or not. Fighting for the seat next to Miyahara-san, you see. Mm. There's so much to say about that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so interesting, especially as we get like further and further into Yuma's story. Ooh. <laughs> I know. It's delicious. And to remind you of part of what Kento said in that article, quote, please don't get me wrong. It's not like I want us to become the best team ever. I want to create heat with the next stream and want the general public to think of us as, damn, all Japan's young generation are awesome. You could say that we are trying to eat up the older generation, but the fact that the crowd was so excited at Corrigan Hall shows that they want to see a fight between the same generation. I think that means that a showdown with the next stream will be the right around the corner because I can feel the radiating heat even as I stand beside them. Since we have four people on Next Stream now, I think we should definitely compete within ourselves. Who can create the most heat? Who can make most people feel the heat? It's easy to say, I am strong, but I want to express it with my actions. Perez is an individual sport, so there's only a little desire for us to work together as a team to make Perez more exciting. I'm just saying it would be good if it turns out that way as a result of us doing our own thing. Now, the premise of these Next Stream episodes is to discuss specifically how Kento made his rivals, like I referenced before, and how he developed three unique relationships with Jake, Naoya, and Yuma to create the powerful storytelling that drove Next Stream. But we could probably do another entire episode just on Yuma and Naoya's relationship, or Yuma and Jake's relationship, or Jake and Naoya's. And while I could not cover all these important relationships in detail, I do want to highlight some Next Stream tag team information here, and I'll touch on other important information as we get through the episode. In 2017, Naoya began tagging with Jake as Next Stream. They had their first world tag team title challenge on May 17th at Moraguchi Citizen Gymnasium in Osaka against champion Zeus and the Bodyguard, but they lost. 
on July 17th in Corrigan, they would get another shot and defeat the big guns to become world tag team champions, both for the first time in their careers. And those tag belts were also their first title wins in all Japan. They had one successful defense against the big guns on July 28th in Nagoya City Suyuhashi Sports Center, but Jake suffered an ACL injury. He and Naya had to return the world tag team belts, and Jake was out for several months healing. He came back on April 25th, 2018 to announce he would officially return to the ring that May, but he was also leaving next stream, making him the first to join and first to leave the faction. To date, the 15-day world tag title reign as Nextream is Jake and Naya's only title run together, but they do have other tag runs um, together as well, which I'll note later on. As we've already discussed, Yuma and Naya had begun working together off and on by the time Nextream formed as a faction, and they're known colloquially as Nomoyagi, which is a combination of their surnames. After Naya and Jake gave up the world tag belts, Naya spent time teaming with Kento, Yuma, and Kai. Kai and Naya challenged Strong BJ. Daisuke Sakamoto and Yuji Okabayashi on August 27, 2017 in Ryogoku Kogikan for the vacant World Tag Team titles, but they lost. Yuma officially moved to heavyweight on September 12th of that year, and on September 30th, Nomoyagi captured their first titles together as Nextream, the All-Asia Tag Belts, after they defeated champions Black Tiger and Takamichinoku in Yamada Green Dome Mabashi Sub Arena. Nomoyagi held the All-Asia Tag Belts for a total of 117 days during that run and defeated teams like Hikaru Sato and Atsushi Aoki and Burning Wild. However, Yuma fractured his leg in a match on January 25th, 2018 and would need several months to heal, so Naoya and Yuma returned the All-Asia Belts. Yuma came back to the ring in June of that year, and on July 29th in Edeon Arena, Osaka, Nomoyagi reclaimed the All-Asia Tag Belts from champions Jun Akiyama and Yuji Nagata. They went on to hold them for 211 days and defend them four times through February 2nd, 2019, but they later relinquished them because Naoya left next stream that month after challenging Kento for the Triple Crown, which I'll get into soon enough. And then, of course, there's Kento and Yuma's tag team. It's in 2019, after Yuma returns the All-Asia tags he held with Naoya, that he and Kento started teaming together as next stream in earnest. They entered that year's Real World Tag League and finished with eight points, failing to make the finals. It's actually not until Nextream 1.0 ends in February 2020 after Yuma graduates, quote unquote, from the faction, and then Kento and Yuma reunite later on that year, they start to find success as a tag team. Kento and Yuma have gone on as Nextream to become 2020 and 2021 Real World Tag League winners and have held the World Tag titles three times since February 2021. As of today's recording, they are the current World Tag champions, but no longer as Nextream, which we'll also talk about. As far as Kento-specific Nextream tags go, he and Yuma have been the most successful. He and Jake had some title challenges and went on to the finals of the 2016 Real World Tag League finals, but they did not win the tournament or titles together. So interesting to go back, and and we'll talk about this throughout the episode, going back to the idea of like fighting to be the number two next to Kento Miyahara and fighting to be seen as his partner and, and accepted as his partner. Um, and thinking of that with Yuma and how successful their tag team has been. But, you know, we'll we'll talk a little bit about what it means to be seen as his partner and accepted on like an equal level with him, which I think there's a difference between what their tag team was versus what it is now. So now I'm going to talk about key matches from Kento and Naoya single series, and then I will do the same for Yuma's. Naoya and Kento have 11 singles matches in their series, but the first four are not available online as far as I'm aware. 
However, if you happen to have any information about the October 2014 match and all three of their 2015 matches and then the May 2016 match, please let me or Deswari know. Um, I'll link his Twitter in the notes of this episode as well. So the first match that we actually have online that we can see is actually the fifth match between them. It's on March 12th, 2016, which is Rachel. It's their birthday. This match was in Cork and Hall. This is Evolution Naoya. So you're seeing Blue Trunks Blonde Naoya. And this is Next Stream Kento, but only Jake and Kento uh, Next Stream, which is really interesting. Kento is also Triple Crown Champion during this match. So to get into some of the meat of this match, Naya attacks Kento with a dropkick that sends him into the corner and then elbows with such ferocity before Kento can get his robe off and the bell can be rung, which is kind of a theme to their matches as you get through them. Kento throws Naya out of the ring, and when Naya immediately gets back in, Kento slips out and just stares at him in disbelief as Naya beckons him back in. Naya shows so much of what makes him who he is today in this early match. When they're both on the outside together, Kento throws him into the barricades, and Naya rebounds immediately like a heat-seeking missile before they wind up chasing each other back into the ring, and Naya surprises Kento, standing on the ring apron with not one, but two diving elbow attacks. This, to me, is the core of Naya's effectiveness as a wrestler, these sudden bursts of speed, strength, and unpredictability. The unpredictable nature of Naya Nomura is Kento's greatest challenge in him, and this continues the entire way through the rest of their series. Kento gets fed up and regains control after Naya's onslaught and starts to send him into the barricades, a lot more malice, whipping him by the hair. He drives Naya's spine into the mats and rolls into the ring, leaving Wada to count at him. When Naya rolls back in, Kento wastes no time getting him into an ebikitame. Um, you can also call that a Boston Crab, smirking with his tongue out, and Naya makes it to the ropes and they fight to get each other up for a brain buster, which Naya wins to applause. Now he gets Kento back for a psycho suplex and goes for a cover after a drop kick off the top ropes for a two count. Kento sinks in a one-legged Ebikatame, but Naya escapes. Naya manages to reverse a brain buster and smash Kento with an elbow before connecting with two spears, and Kento kicks out again. Naya is relentless, even though he is so green. Kento takes control, gets Naya down with a brain buster, but Naya kicks out. But then Kento lines Naya up for a blackout knee and picks up the three count at nine minutes and 39 seconds. So early on enough in their time together where he can only use a blackout knee to take out Naoya in the end, which is actually really funny. So it's a good match though. It's, you know, it's short. It's definitely um, Naoya is, is very, you know, green, but I think what you have said about him being unpredictable and, you know, a, a pretty creative guy in the ring is um, it's something that really speaks to like what is so appealing about Naoya. He's, he's very, um, he's got a lot of fire, and he's very unpredictable and he just goes straight forward when you don't expect him to, <laughs> if that makes sense. Like, you know, when, when you think straight forward, you think predictable, but somehow Naoya manages to not do that. It's it's just a very interesting fighting style, but it's very compelling. You've actually reminded me of Tanahashi trying to describe how Suwama fights in it's, that yeah, champion you know, carnival. Similarity yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. funny. I didn't think about it that way before. But yeah, I think that so much of what people love about Naoya is displayed even at this point of his career where he's still pretty green. I mean, he's really, really green, right? He's like, it's only evolution Naoya, so he's very green. That really, that unpredictability that carries him through the single series, and especially by the time we get to the match in 2022, I mean, that's almost like the end of Kento, right? So it's this really important thread that, that you can see start in here, and perhaps even earlier too, I wish I could see the matches, but they're just not available to us right now. But 
it starts in here for sure. You can see it. You can see like what he's going to wind up building on and, and becoming even more dangerous as time goes on, which is something we'll talk about when we get to the end too. Their next match is match six in their series. It's on April 16th, 2016. This is a champion carnival match in Ikosu Agio and Agio Saitama. Naya tries to rush Kento again right out of the gate, but Kento is waiting for this and he meets Naya's charge with a big kick. He tosses Naya out of the ring and waits in the corner as Naya rolls in. Their lockup turns into a quick exchange of respective kicks and elbows before they go to the outside, and Kento drops Naya with a knee to the midsection, but Naya retaliates by sending Kento into the ring post. While a stunned Kento backs up, Naya gets onto the ring apron and connects with a diving elbow, sending them to the mat. Kento wins their scramble and puts Naya down with a body slam before rolling back in, and Wada begins to count for Naya. Once back in the ring, Naya and Kento exchange elbows as Kento egging Naya on. Kento hits a backbreaker and transitions into the Ebikitame. Naya gets to the ropes and Kento gets super fussy with Wada over that, but they lock up again and Kento tries to get him up for the brain buster. Naya wins this exchange and lands a flying elbow to Kento in the corner, then sends Kento back for a suplex variant before going to the top rope and connecting with a missile dropkick. Kento escapes a fireman's carry and sends Naya to the mat with a big boot. Kento avoids another dropkick and catches Naya in a deep Ebikitame, which Naya escapes. Kento and Naya trade elbows and kicks before Naya lands two spears for two close two counts. Naya goes to the top rope for the frog splash, which becomes an important part of his arsenal, but Kento gets his knees up in time. On their feet, they exchange more forearms, and every time Kento thinks he's done, Naya comes at him a little harder again, which is Naya to a T. Kento hits a blackout knee to the back of Naya's head and a brain buster for a two count, lines Naya up, and then it connects with another blackout to put him away at 11 minutes and 19 seconds. Kento plays to the crowd afterward, but he's moving like he's exhausted and walks away from the ring holding his middle. So this is interesting for a couple of reasons. I want to talk about the way that Kento uses formulas. And I think one of the things that people will use against Kento when they're talking about him is they'll say, well, he's a very formulaic wrestler. He doesn't stray from his formula. And to be fair, Kento is a formulaic wrestler. He absolutely is. He has different formulas for different match types for the different people he's facing. There is a Naoya and Kento formula. There's a Kento and Jake formula. And there's a Kento and Yuma formula. Although that formula is more like an anti-formula. So we'll get to that later on. This, however is a formula to me that works. They really don't deviate too much from the core of what they do each and every match. You're going to see a lot of the same spots repeated within the Kento and Naoya series. However, it's Naoya and his creativity and that like burst of those bursts of speed and power and that unpredictable nature that he has sometimes in the way that he can just turn on a dime that's what makes the formula work and it's so exciting. But there is a formula here. I see why people can maybe get tired of that. But I think that one of the more interesting things is to see how these formulas can be used over time, but also when people can break him out of his formulas, um, which we do see as well. And we see that actually more so within the next stream bubble with him and Yuma. Yeah, I think that's a really good way to put it. I always sort of roll my eyes when people, you know, call any wrestler like a formulaic wrestler and in a bad way, because I see it the way that you're you're sort of describing it here, where these formulas are important. They're what create this quote unquote long-term storytelling. That's where these things come from. They come from the formula and how the formula gets broken and how the formula evolves and how the wrestlers evolve within the formula. But the formula does have to exist. 
Like you have to make it first. And I think Kento does a really, really good job with that. I think that's one of the things that makes him such an exceptional wrestler is that he puts together these stories, which we define as formulas. They are seen within the match as these formulas. That's how these stories are told. So yeah, that's, I'm really glad you sort of pointed that out, but I do like the, um, the way that Naoya and Kento put this, put their match together like a lot. I think it's just a really good way that these matches are constructed. They always feel like Naoya is getting closer and closer to something. Like even now you have um, two blackout knees instead of just ending it on the one. So you you can feel that formula being formed, but you can also feel it changing and evolving just a little bit. Yeah, and especially as we get towards the the last couple of matches in this series, there's things we're going to talk about. The one really important thing that Naya adds right to their to their matches that is like mind blowing, right, for their, their story together. So these, it's not like you're watching the same match over and over again within this formula of Naya and Kento. There are things that are added over time, and there's things that make the matches much more difficult, right? Um, Naya pushes Kento to the edge that much further every single time they meet. Kento looked like he was um, had a hard time walking out of the ring after this one. Um, and that that matters. That really does matter. And if, like you said, the fact that there was two blackout knees here to put Naya down in comparison to the last one where he only needed one, that's important. That's building upon something so you get the momentum of a story moving forward. Okay, so the next match in their series would have been the May 14th, 2016 match, but that's one of the ones that we don't have access to. So the one that we're going to talk about next is April 4th, 2018. This would have been match eight for them. This is also a champion carnival match, and this is at Akita Tursa in Akita, Japan. Naya is no longer blonde. He's in the red, gold, white, and black shorts. This is like the very Power Ranger look that he had for a hot minute. Um, I was not a fan of these shorts, but that's what he was wearing at the time. The crowd is decidedly behind Naoya with some um, Nomura chance to start. And Kento looks aghast at this. They're both in next room at this point as well. Naoya does not rush Kento, but instead they lock up. There's a lot more feeling each other out. Kento does a smarmy little rope break. They test each other's strength. As in previous matches, they go to the outside, but Kento doesn't really have a guardrail to throw him into. The crowd is quite literally exposed to them. So Naya takes advantage on the Irish whip and uses the ring post to get back in the ring. Kento chases him and pays for it because Naya crashes into him with a diving elbow, sending him to the floor. Naya follows up with the same and Kento crumples to the mat. Naya showboats for the crowd and to give him applause for his effort. This is a much more confident and in control Naya Nomura. They fight for the brain buster on the outside, but Kento DDTs Naya instead and then chokes him against the ring post. Easily referee Kyohei Wada's favorite spot, specifically because Kento holds it past the five count every time. Wada starts counting for Naya, but Kento interrupts and headbutts Naya, which Wada also hates. Kento gets in another headbutt to Wada's annoyance, and Wada starts the count. Kento gets out of the ring to interrupt the count and and puts Naya in the ring, but Wada is so over him that Wada continues his count on Kento, which Kento has strong opinions about when he rolls back in the ring. Kento continues to bicker with Wada while he punishes Naoya a bit, landing a big boot and then some kicks to his head and body. And Kento takes out Naoya's leg with a basement drop kick and then a drop kick to the head for a two count. Kento challenges Naoya while kicking him in the face and chest, and Naoya stands up yelling, returning forearms, even through another headbutt from Kento. Kento misses another big boot, and Naoya capitalizes with a shoulder tackle coming off the rope, sending them both to the mat. 
Now he connects with another hard shoulder tackle and lines Kento up for a diving forearm strike that gets him a two count. They fight for the brain buster again, but Kento drapes him over the top ropes and lands a drop kick to Naya's head. Naya collapses on the ring apron and Kento goes for another big boot, but Naya meets him with forearms. Naya can't capitalize because Kento still manages to land a kick that brings Naya to a knee and then Kento lands a terrible knee to Naya's head, which brings them both to the outside with Kento clutching his knee and Naya being checked on by ringside attendants. Kento sells this knee like spectacularly throughout this entire experience. Kento rolls back in and Wada starts to count for Naya, who falls off the ring apron once trying to climb back in, but eventually succeeds. Once on their feet, they waste no time laying into each other with quite literally everything they have left to them, all rapid fire. Naya eventually connects with a massive spear, and when they're on their feet, they start smashing each other with forearms. Kento eventually has to retaliate with headbutts, but Naya capitalizes with one more forearm, gets Kento up into the fireman's carry, and brings him down for a double knee gut buster, which is one of Naya's better moves. After a gut buster, Naya hits the first frog splash for another two count and attempts a third, but Kento gets his knees up. They're both suffering, and Kento lands a knee to the face for a two count, but he springs up and goes for a suplex, but that's also a two count. Kento sets up the shutdown suplex, and they struggle for a bit before Naya breaks the hold, lands a forearm, and another spear for a desperate two count. Kento hits two huge knees for a two count and seems incredulous that he can't stop Naya. The crowd chants for no more ra. Kento sets up the shutdown suplex again and finally puts Naya away at 17 minutes and 44 seconds. I think this is really one of the first times, especially in their single series, where you see Kento, I think, really have to struggle and fight to put Naya down. Because I really, I've spent a lot of time describing Naya as like a heat-seeking missile. If you don't put him down quickly, he's just going to explode, right? And I think we're seeing as we go through the single series now, this is Naya getting stronger, getting faster, getting smarter, um, and how he can cut Kento off and use his arsenal to really damage Kento. And Kento knows that if he's not sharp the whole way through, Naya could beat him. Naya could be really, really powerful. And I think that there's, again, that explosiveness of Naya and that unpredictability and that real test of strength that Naya brings him that is a real Achilles heel for Kento. Yeah, I agree. And I'm going to, I feel like I'm going to say this for the my notes for every single one of these matches, but like Kento's selling is so good and it's exceptionally good here. Like you said, you can feel that Kento feels threatened and we'll talk about that a little bit later too, because that's, that's a huge thing for this specific relationship within Nextstream. So in between this match and the next one we're going to talk about is when Naoya walks away from next stream because he's going to have his first triple crown challenge against Kento. And so Kenji Miao wrote about this experience in um, Shoe Pro. This is from number 2000 on March 13th, 2019. On February 24th, 2019, Kento defended his triple crown against Suwama in Yokohama Bunka Gymnasium. He thanks Suwama, and he's talking about how that day was the last day of Kento Miyahara as a professional wrestler in his 20s, as his birthday is February 27th. As he was talking about this and hyping up the crowd and asking them who should fight him next, Naya came out from the back to challenge him, but in doing so, he says he will leave next stream. Naya says, Miyahara-san, no, Kento Miyahara. Next, let me go for that belt. If you allow me the challenge, I will leave next stream to take you on, so please give me a good answer. And Kento responds, I've been waiting for you. They shake hands and Nomura attempts the maximum, which Kento was able to dodge. I think it's really funny that people are always trying to attack him in the ring. And Naya says, the fight has already started. Best be prepared. And then he leaves, which is, you know, great anime drama from this crew. Kento says, to be honest, 
I was really waiting for this moment. I was probably the one waiting the most for their generation to challenge for this belt. A new battle will begin in March, so let's meet again there. So that leads us into their actual match for the Triple Crown. Again, this is now his first time challenging for the Triple Crown. And of course, it's against Kento, and he is no longer in Next Dream. This is March 19th, 2019 um, at Corican. And this is match nine of their series. This is when Kendo has like the sick half red, half black tights on. I actually wish he would bring these back because that's such a good gear set for him. Naya is in the red and white shorts with the gold trim on one side. I like this set of shorts on Naya. This is good shorts. This match precedes Champion Carnival, where Kendo is trying to become the first wrestler since Genichiro Tenru to win as Triple Crown Champion, and Jake and Naoya meet in the B-Block Finals for the right to face Kendo in the tournament finals. So this is a huge year in general for Next Stream, for this generation, um, for All Japan, and just this younger generation of wrestlers. 2019 is massive. So the streamers are immense when they're both standing in the ring. It takes a little bit for them to clear all the streamers away. But Yuma is over in Kento's corner because he's still in next room. The bell rings and they don't push forward right away. Kento is listening for the Kento chance. They circle each other before the lockup. Kento slaps Naoya's cheeks on the first rope break. And there's that sense with him always that he's reminding Naoya of his place, right? Naoya gets him back on the second rope break by driving an elbow into his jaw. Like their other matches, they do the spot where they go to the outside and Kento makes to whip Naoya into the crowd because there's no barricades in that Corican show. But Naoya is able to break free and run back into the ring, beckoning Kento back in. So again, you see these formulaic pieces of their of their match series, right? Sometimes we see the same things over and over again, but they're pretty effective and they find new and creative ways to kind of work around it, work around the venue limitations and things like that. Kento looks shocked at the consequences of his own actions to this, though. Wada starts counting at Kento to add insult to injury, which is, you know, it's tough for Kento, but Kento gets back in. They lock up and work each other over before Naoya starts to gain momentum, hitting Kento with a shoulder tackle. But Kento manages to get Naoya to the outside and tosses him into some chairs. Naoya is able to get Kento up for the fireman's carry and drops him over the metal fence that separates the raised seats from the floor. Naoya gets back in the ring. And my God, he is so confident. Kento sells on the outside until Naya gets tired of him, leaves the ring and grabs Kento um, and lands a nasty elbow to his chin. Kento is clever though, because while Naya hops onto the apron for the diving elbow, Kento is waiting for him and connects with a big boot, sending Naya to the floor. And that's where you see the inversion of the formula. They, they try something new, which is really effective here. Kento makes sure to showboat for the audience. Kento lands a headbutt, but Naya loses it and nails Kento with several of his own furious headbutts, which is actually a really effective and cool spot. The crowd has a big reaction to Naya using the headbutts. Wada at this point is tired of Kento specifically and wants them to get back in the ring, so they bicker. Kento acts like he is going to roll Naoya back in, but he headbutts Naoya again instead and then waggles his tongue and fingers because he knows he's being a bastard. Kento takes Naoya for a walk so he can choke Naoya against the ring post and you get Wada pulling on Kento's hair. Another headbutt and then Kento throws Naoya back into the ring. He's showboating hard and flexing for the crowd while Naoya struggles. Kento goes for the basement dropkick to take out his lead leg, but Naoya knows better. I love this part. He scouts this, grabs the leg, and transitions into the STF. Kento manages to get to the ropes for the break, and Naoya just tees off on him in the corner with elbows, and it's glorious. And this is Naoya learning, right? We have seen these spots over and over and over again, and it's on this match that, that Naoya finally has learned how to avoid that basement drop kick. It's just awesome. Kento's feigning more hurt than he was, and then he moves out of the way in time for Naoya, coming in with another attack, forcing Naoya to spear the ring post. They fight for what looks like a brain buster, but Kento drapes Naoya over the top rope instead, 
draws off at Wada and then lands a drop kick to Naoya's head. After a scramble, Kento is able to do his classic basement drop kick, drop kick to the head spot. Kento yells something out, but he's not paying attention, and Naoya hits him with a nasty spear. Naoya hits two shoulder tackles to Kento, and the crowd starts to get behind him. Diving elbow by Naoya into the corner, they fight for control again, and Kento dumps Naoya onto the apron, and Naoya manages to get Kento up for the fireman's carry. Kento slides off, kicks Naoya to bring him to one knee, and then lands a huge knee to Naoya's face. Kento capitalizes on a stunned Naoya by getting him up for the brain buster, bringing Naoya down to the mat from the apron. Naoya struggles back into the ring, and Kento lands a huge step up knee on Naoya in the corner for a two count. Kento gets Naoya on the top of the ring post, but he struggles to bring him down. Naoya slides between his legs and gets his arm around Kento, but he has to drive his head into the ring post to try to get him to let go of it. Finally, Naoya can bring Kento back for a suplex. Naoya gets up to the top rope for the frog splash, but Kento brings his knees up. They're both in absolute agony, and Wada has to check on both of them. Yuma looks mildly stressed (laughs) at ringside by all of this. As Naoya has his back turned in the corner trying to recover, Kento lands a knee to the back of the head, Gets him back for a suplex and connects with a knee to the face for a two count. Kento goes for the shutdown suplex, but Naya breaks free, hits a driving elbow to the face. Kento recovers to put Naya up and back for a brain buster, but Naya gets up like the Terminator and takes Kento out with a spear. Now the crowd is much louder with their no more a chance. They exchange elbows, exhausted and dazed. Kento lands a few nasty, Swiping strikes, followed by a kick to Naoya, but Naoya is up like the Terminator once again, and the crowd goes, oh, it's like this big reaction to him doing this. He smashes Kento with nasty forearms, bringing the champion down to the mat. Naoya lays in wait in the corner while Kento shakily gets to his feet, sizing him up for the spear. But as Naoya moves forward, Kento connects with a kick, feigning again. Blackout to the back of the head, delayed German suplex for a two count from Kento. Kento goes for the shutdown suplex again, and now he is fighting him hard. He breaks out and hits a fucking Northern Lights bomb. Now he goes to the top rope, lands a frog splash for two count. Now he runs to the other corner and gets up for the second frog splash, lands it, two count. Kento is selling the Northern Lights bomb like he nearly died. It's like he can't get up again. Now he gets Kento up, fireman's carry attempt, but Kento is starting to resist. He tries to hit Naya with a knee, but then Naya is just teeing off, elbows to the face, and the crowd is losing it. Naya hits a spear for a two count and gets Kento up for maximum, another two count. They scramble. Kento begins to come back with a knee to Naya's face. He hits another, and then blackout for a fucking one count. Kento gets him back for a delayed German two count. Kento screams from his knees before going for the shutdown suplex on an exhausted looking Naya, who fucking breaks out for a second, but Kento manages to capture him again get him back for the shutdown suplex and he gets the three count at 28 minutes and 58 seconds. Kento helps Naya up to his feet at the end of the match, but Naya rips his arm away, slides out of the ring and leaves accompanied by Atsuki Aoyagi. This match is so good. <laughs> this match is so good. I, I have a big toss up. We'll talk about it later on which my favorite is, but it's, it's really between the two 2019 matches. Um, this match is always cited as being like the breakout moment for now yeah where everybody can like see what he's really made of and and like Miao-san talks about it I think in multiple um write-ups that we've covered that like this is the match where people were really starting to pay attention and starting to be like yeah this is this is happening this is it you can really feel it in this match and then um yeah it's just it's so good and then the northern lights bomb when you pointed that out that was just it's mind-blowing it really is the significance of the Northern Lights bomb really cannot be 
undersold, right? Because we know that that is a, that's Akira Hokuto's move. That's a move that Kensuke Sasaki moved because it was Akira Hokuto's move. Kento doesn't really use Kensuke office moves, right? And we talk about this extensively in the One Night Dream review. So if you're looking for more analysis specifically on Kento and his his identity as a Kensuke office wrestler, please go back and listen to that review. But he has really used that stuff so sparingly. He uses the lariat fairly sparingly up until this year for some for some reason. I have some ideas about that, but he's he's used the lariat fairly sparingly. But it's in here that we see Naoya use this move against him. And it really is breathtaking because Naoya did it to get in his head. And that's incredible. That's great storytelling. But it also demonstrates because we know what this, the whole Kensuke office and like what that means to Kento, how he really has tried to separate himself from that, that part of his career and and kind of forge this new identity for himself within all Japan. Um, The fact that he, you know, this is more of a meta take if you kind of remove from the kayfabe of it all. The fact that he trusts Naoya so much that he let Naoya use that move in the match against him, I think says so much about their relationship outside of the kayfabe as well. What this really reminds me of um, and that you spoke so beautifully on is um, our episode on Keno versus Katsuko Nakajima, um, Shinjuku face on a Wednesday, where you describe this moment during their 60 minute draw together as, um, you know, he does these lariats and they have like this very Kensuke Kobashi-esque mm-hmm. uh, kick exchange. You described it as him bringing Keno into this world and into this storyline and, that's really how I feel about, you know, that sort of um, shoot aspect of Kento giving, you know, the Northern Lights bomb to Naoya in that way is Naoya is now a part of that and he's in that world as well. And, and you'll see that with the other members of Next Dream as well is they're all becoming more and more tied to Kento and his history. Um, and that's just a really cool thing. And then in the kayfabe of it, you know, you have Naoya, you know, trying to get into Kendo's head, which um, brings it up to the audience as well. It's like, oh, this is something that, you know, means something to Kento. Wow. You know, this is, this yeah. is a big deal. And then, so that just keeps it not necessarily in the forefront, but it makes it more rewarding as we go further and further into Kento's story. Like now post one night dream, watching the Northern Lights bomb means something more to us than it would have even in that moment. And in the moment, it was pretty cool. So it's just, yeah, it's, it's just a really cool thing uh, how they use this story. Yeah, it is. It, it really is incredible. And like the, and the commentary sells it so well, as soon as like now it whips it out, like everybody has like this big reaction to it. And rightfully so it's, it's a huge, and it's not the last time he uses it with Kendo, which is also really fascinating. And he is, I think, the only one of the three in Next Stream um, that do something like this with him. I've never, um, I don't think I've ever seen Jake or Yuma do that. But it's Naoya who thinks to do this with him, which is really fascinating to think about their relationship like that. But yeah, I think it works so effectively here because commentary has such a huge reaction to it. But also Kento sells after the um, the Northern Lights bomb, like that's really done some hard damage to him. And it, it makes this match. Um, I often struggle to pick of the two 2019 matches and, and also the 2022 match, which I really do love. I struggle to pick what is my favorite, but there's something about this one for the first time he hits the Northern Lights bomb and like the shock of it 
I, I think it might be this one for how effective it is and how all these different elements play into each other. It's Kento selling it like it's a big fucking deal, um, which betrays how much all that stuff means to him. And that now he has kind of found um, his kryptonite, right? Like, like his weakness, but then commentary's reaction to it and everything else. Yeah, it's a brilliant, it's a brilliant move from Naya. And really, I think set him apart from the other two as well. And we're talking about like the individual unique relationships that these these guys all have to Kento. So I'm going to read some of the post-match stuff. Um, Kento said afterwards, V3, today I would like to th- talk about the new era. Some of you fans may have thought that I was a part of a new era for all Japan, but I am not a part of the new era. I have already established the Kento Miyahara era. The new era is those three, right? I'm not in it. Don't get me wrong. I alone am enough for the wrestling world's Kento Miyahara era, but that's not the new era. Who will break away from the three of them and whose era will they create? You can only know by watching the future of All Japan Pro Wrestling. The Kento Miyahara era will make way for a new era. That is where we are today. And he was asked, what did you feel when you fought Nomura for the title for the first time? Kento said, he's someone who could become champion at any given moment now. I know that because I felt that. With his ability, he could win this belt anytime. The current All Japan Pro Wrestling has already become such a place. The younger generation is following at my heels. The older generation is determined not to lose. I'm just trying to survive in All Japan Pro Wrestling. He was also asked, you'll participate in the Champion Carnival again this year as a Triple Crown Champion, correct? Kento said, before Champion Carnival, I have four more shows to go in Nagoya, Miyagi, Fukushima, and Yokohama. After that, I will switch to Champion Carnival mode. Until then, I'll be the champion for the next four shows, and I'll make each region exciting. And then he was asked, what do you think is the difference between you and Nomura? Kento said, I'm a narcissist who claims to be building an era. I've made my narcissism strong, and that's why I've made it this far. If he develops the narcissism to say, I am all Japan's greatest wrestler, then he'll be in my position in no time. Well, I'm tired of mentioning those three names now. They're on their own now. Naoya said, I'm going to keep chasing him. I won't give up. I'll keep chasing Kento Miyahara so I can overtake him. I will definitely pass him one day and I'll become the face of all Japan. These comments are very interesting because this is where can you can tell that he is feeling the three of them starting to perhaps catch up to him. Right. When you think about where we were with Jake at this time, you can go back into part one to, um, to listen to some of the comments there. And then you have, Naoya and this match really taking Kento I think to the brink and then Yuma um, who's I think um, just starting I think to get there um, probably um, a little bit further away than the other two but he's starting to feel it so now it's no longer we're a part of the same era right now it's they're in their own era they're in the new era and this is about the Kento Miyahara era and someone of those these three is gonna have to step up and create their own era and he's really pushing it onto the three of them, which is not unlike what he's doing now, which we're going to talk about later when I can read out some of those quotes. Yeah, that's what really stuck out to me was the they're on their own now, um, how he's he's just continually pushing them and pushing them and saying, like, you can't rely on me. You got to go. You got to do this yourself. You've got to create your own era. And that becomes a real through line in his character that escalates and escalates to where we are now. 
So to bridge some of the gaps in between this and the next match, when Jake beat Naoya in the B-Block Finals during the 2019 Champion Carnival, Naoya refused Jake's hand afterward and walked off to the back. But in May of 2019, Naoya began working alongside Jake and his faction Sweeper for matches. I said this in part one, but he technically did not officially join Sweeper. Although I've read one thing recently that said he didn't join quote-unquote until the end, which is like... That's that's neither here nor there. But he was absolutely resistant to becoming an official member, at least at first. There's so much more to this, but I'll pick up with it after the next match. So next, I'm going to talk about a Kenji Meow article. It's from Shoe Pro number 2027, September 4th, 2019. This is describing how Naoya qualifies to challenge for the Triple Crown again that September. So I'm going to read this before we get into that match. Damn, he muttered as he was supported by both shoulders and pulled out of the arena with his head down. Kento Miyahara, who cares deeply about his image, had one image in mind, closing out the first show of the tour with his best of the best microphone. In reality, however, the image was not as he had imagined. The August series got off to a bad start. He wanted to show the Sapporo fans the best Kento Miyahara they had ever seen. Naya Nomura pinned the Triple Crown heavyweight champion with his signature maximum. It was a perfect win from Nomura, even though they were in a six-man tag match. It was only natural that he would challenge for the title afterwards. I pinned Kento Miyahara directly. This is the moment, isn't it? I am qualified to challenge for the title now, aren't I? I think the All Japan Pro Wrestling fans are getting tired of the all Kento Miyahara title matches. I will come back to Sapporo as the face of All Japan. I will carry All Japan Pro Wrestling on my back. Kento Miyahara, keep polishing that belt for me. All Japan has the Royal Road Tournament coming up in September, but the winner of this tournament usually launches a challenge for the Triple Crown. Nomura was not concerned with such conventional practices. If he felt he could do it, he would go do it. He was not waiting around for the next chance, and that was a sign of his young energy. One night after the worst possible start, Miyahara was at the venue for the Tomokomai show, quietly working out for the match as usual. We just barely made eye contact when I decided to ask him about Nomura's challenge. Quote, I think I have to accept the challenge, don't I? It's not like Kento Miyahara to say no. That's not cool. Nomura and I had a triple crown match on March 19th, but it's not every day you get to challenge the same champion twice. I wonder how the audience will receive that. He's also the closest to breaking the record as the youngest triple crown champion. Miyahara won his first triple crown at 26 years and 11 months, while Nomura is currently 26 years and 10 months old. That part is not interesting to me, but I think Nomura has something hidden inside of him, and he wants to show Kento Miyahara. I think he will shed his skin and show his true colors in the near future. Nomura's first challenge for the Triple Crown was against Miyahara in March, and he impressed the audience with a fight that brought him one step closer to the well-established champion. With his fighting spirit, he showed everyone that he is not far from reaching the top. Therefore, his victory was not that surprising. It really was just one step closer. Last time, he used momentum as his weapon. Half a year has passed since then. With what will Nomura stand before Kento Miyahara? The Triple Crown challenge to be held at Cork on September 3rd has been officially decided. So yeah, that brings us into... September 3rd, 2019, which might be my favorite match. I'm not, I have not quite decided. <laughs> it's it's really, really hard. This one is in Korokin. And as we kind of learned in that Kenji Meow article, he gets it just based off of pinning Kento in the start of, start of the August tour. And we get two challenges from Nomura within um, this title reign for Kento. The bell rings and they stand across the ring from each other. Naoya never breaks eye contact with Kendo. He looks tremendously sad for some reason. It's a very different look on his face than I think the other times where they've started a match. 
Kento goes from listening to the crowd chant his name to a much more unreadable expression. They lock up, and Naya drives Kento back into the ropes for the first rope break. Naya slaps his cheek this time, returning the favor from March. Kento looks to Wada for help, like he's going to do anything about it. They lock up again and rapidly move through a tease of the hits, so to speak. This is actually very similar to how Jake and Kento would start their matches. So they don't often do this, these two, but they do it here for some reason. Um, we're meant to get the feeling, I think, that Naoya isn't a boy anymore, and these two know each other far too well, despite the time apart from Naoya leaving. Next stream. On the second rope break, Kento hits Naoya in the face, and then they go to the outside. This time, they're doing the inverse, with Naoya on the outside and Kento scrambling back into the ring, only he's showboating and playing to the crowd. Naoya drags him back outside and throws Kento into the ring post, which looks ugly. Wada tries to separate them on the outside, but Naoya drives Kento into a barricade and head first into a different ring post. Naoya lands a forearm to Kento's face before spearing him into that ring post. Clearly, Naoya's strategy here is just to wear Kento down immediately from the start, weaken him, and it's, it's effective looking. He jumps up and down on Kento's sternum, holding on to a barricade. Finally, he rolls Kento into the ring and lands two forearm strikes to his head in middle before getting him up for the gut buster. Naya sizes Kento up for the spear, but Kento dodges it, seemingly feigning more injured than he really is, though he does still hold on to his middle. He takes Naya to the outside again and headbutts him. Wada is on him immediately, and Kento winds up taking a walk around the ring. Naya and Kento exchange a pair of headbutts, and Kento looks so pleased, waggling his tongue at everyone, though he is still holding that middle. Kento argues with Wada, who wants them back in the ring. To punish Wada, he throws Naya over the barricade and leaves him there, gets back in the ring, and hits one of his poses. Wada gets in his face, and he hates that. Kento decides to go back outside, gets Naya up, headbutts him, and throws him back in the ring. Kento gets Naya draped over the top rope and connects with a drop kick. Kento gets Naoya in a head scissors and Naoya gets his foot on the rope and he's slow to let go. So Wada pulls his hair. Kento is so distracted by arguing with Wada that Naoya recovers, stands up, grabs Kento by the throat and lands a terrible forearm in kicks. Wada tries to break it up for a second because Kento is leaning against the ropes, but Naoya is so mad he pushes him off. So Wada leaves him alone. <laughs> Kento avoids Naoya's return off the ropes, gets Naoya draped over the second rope, Ducks through to get onto the apron and lands a drop kick. He shouts, woo. They're both in the ring. Kento is disrespectfully grazing Naya with his hip in a super careless way. Naya lands some open palm strikes. Kento gets to do his basement drop kick and drop kick spot, only Naya has this scouted. So he actually avoids the drop kick proper and lands a stop to Kento's body. That spot is always fucking awesome. It looks cool. They scramble. Naya dodges and he connects with a spear to Kento. They get onto the ring apron. Kento slips out of Naya's fireman's carry. Naya lands another forearm to the gut, and then he drives Kento face first into the ring apron. He gets Kento around the middle, and Kento hangs on for a minute, but Naya is too strong and brings him back for a suplex off the apron that brings him to the mat. Once back in the ring, Naya lands a forearm in the corner, and while running back to the opposite corner, Kento follows him and lands a knee. Kento tries to bring him back for a suplex, but Naya transitions to the Nomura Rock, which is the modified ground cobra twist he debuted in Champion Carnival 2019 against Jake to defeat him for the first time. Now he gets a two count for that and then attempts the frog splash, but Kento gets his knees up and then they both just suffer for a minute. Kento gets Naoya on the top rope and attempts to drag him backward from behind while Naoya resists. Kento falls to the mat but tries again and successfully brings him back for a German off the top rope. Kento hulks up, knee to the back of the head, German, blackouts Naoya for a two count. Kento goes for the shutdown suplex, but Naya breaks out, forearm to Kento's face, scramble, spear. They exchange forearms that reach a fever pitch as the crowd applauds. 
Naya brings Kento to the mat with another tremendous forearm, and then he is lining him up for the spear. But Kento gets in a big boot, kicked to the back of the head, and a German for a two count. Naya rallies the spear and into a two count. He lines him up again, lands the spear from behind, and then hits the goddamn Northern Lights bomb again. It's crazy. Naya gets him up in the fireman's carry. Kento slides off. Naya tries the spear. Kento blocks and hits him again with a knee to the face, and then another knee to the head, but Naya runs at him again. Kento then hits a third knee to the head for a two count. Kento goes for the shutdown suplex. Naya breaks out, catches Kento's knee, slams a huge forearm into Kento's neck, and then tees off. Amazing, amazing, amazing sequence. Kento tries to run at Naya. Naya catches him with another huge forearm, sends Kento crashing down to the mat, and goes for the cover, two count. Naya gets him up for maximum, two count. The crowd is losing it. Now he gets Kento up in the fireman's carry and starts to spin. Kento slips out and goes for the shutdown suplex. Now he breaks free, but eats a blackout. Doesn't matter, though, because he comes back with a nasty forearm and tries the fireman's carry again. Kento channels the spirit of Giant Baba in that moment and manages to slip out and get Naya back for the shutdown suplex, defeating Naya in 28 minutes and 58 seconds. What a match. So one thing I wanted to ask you was um you were you were watching all japan at the time weren't you Mm -hmm. Uh, during 2019 so what was your take on you know now you're challenging a second time like was there this impression that like oh this is it you know now he's going to do it or take it or did you not really think that he would and what is your take on that match like from then and then also now to be fair, I was watching a lot of this stuff in a bubble, so I was really removed from, like, other people's opinions um, <laughs> at the time, and sometimes I long for that time. Um, <laughs> you know, back in 2019, I was a different fan, right? Like, I, I was watching this so removed from community, and I know more now. That whole entire experience of Kento in, in 2019 on that particular really long title reign of his, Jake also has, like, two, at least two title challenges there. And now he has two. So did it did it make sense to me at the time that they would have them go again and again? Probably not. But we also know with all Japan that there's just, you know, there's just limitations sometimes to who you can bring in. <laughs> yeah. So that's fine. So yeah, I, I guess at the time, I don't know that, I don't know that I necessarily thought it was great that that's how it was going, but it was hard to complain when the matches were this good, right? And especially because with, at least with, with how I view these next three matches, especially when you put this one and this and the um this one and the one before it back to back, there is such a momentum to them where you can see the vision. You can really see that now he is getting so clo- so much closer and so much closer, and you can feel that there is a point to these and there's a point to the struggle. In that way, they make sense. Yeah, I think that makes perfect sense. I'm uh, glad for your insight there. But yeah, I, I feel that too. Is you know watching this you know removed and now I know all the results and and sort of what happens in the story that you really can see, you know, the vision as you so adequately described it, is that you don't really feel disappointed. You know, you, you want now you to win because now you, the, he's so phenomenal in this match and, and the crowd wants him, but you know, like you can't be too mad <laughs> about it because you, you see where this match is going and they just suffer. Like you said it perfectly. They suffer <laughs> in this match and, and they're just working towards this huge moment you know as as it were and um yeah you you can really feel that in this match so like I said it's just one of those things where it's it's hard to be disappointed in the results so I was curious on what your um take was yeah and especially when at this time you know September 2019 
I, I think we can have, a, and I talked about this, I think, in, in part one, we can perhaps have a conversation about whether it was a good thing or a bad thing that they didn't pull the trigger on Jake in 2019 in terms of beating Kento then. That's definitely, I think, a, a good conversation to have with people because I can I can see it from both sides of it. I'm I'm very of the mind that he won when he won and it was a perfect moment. And that's all that I'm willing to kind of put into it in terms of energy at this point because what came after it, frankly, is, is so sad and so complicated that I, I really don't want to put anything more into it. I'm just grateful that we got there. But there is merit to discussing, well... Jake maybe should have had the trigger pulled on him in 2019. Maybe it should have happened then. But yeah, there's merit to that. I think with Naoya, if he had won here, he's not really ready to be champion. There's a difference between beating Kento and beating mm-hmm. being triple crown champion, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I don't know that he would have been ready to be champion here. And that's why it makes what happens after all of this that much more tragic because of, of the loss of time that we're about to talk about. I don't know that he was ready for the next step quite yet but he was he was getting there he was like on top of it and he just needed a little bit more time and we just didn't get that time yeah it's really really sad but I, i'm glad to sort of have that insight from you there so in the post match kendo says okay okay that's how he kind of sounds when he says it v7 v7 and now you know mora you are a great wrestler now did you figure out what i meant when i talked about what i have that now you know mora doesn't before the match next time will be the third time we face for the title i'm looking forward to it i'm looking forward to the royal road tournament but i am the man who will change history and i am the man who is carrying the history of all japan pro wrestling on my shoulders if i was the first triple crown champion to win the champion carnival in 18 years who else but me could win the royal road tournament i'll take it all i'll take every crowning achievement of 2019 it's easy to digest and makes me a horror look like a superstar right the world can't help but be interested in Kento Miyahara, the man standing here before you, by making him look like a superstar. Well, he's already a superstar. You can see that, can't you? Being number one is a good look on me. Anyway, V10 is where I need to be. The record for most offenses is not a dream. It's something I have to do, and I will do it in 2019. I'm going to win the Royal Road Tournament. He was asked, what did Miyahara have that Nomura didn't? And he said, if I told you, I'd be overtaken, so I can't tell you the answer. It is a competitive world, and it is impossible for everyone to be number one. That's what I'm declaring to the members of the new era. If anyone thinks that we should all be number one, they will never defeat me. I have never once held the naive idea that we could all share the number one slot together. He was asked again, when Nomura fought you in March, you said that he lacked narcissism. Kento said, as I said, I can't tell you. You are persistent, Shupro. He was asked, what does Nomura lack? And Kento said, like I said, I can't tell you what he's missing. We're done here. And he walks off. Naya said, I just have to crawl up from the bottom one more time. These comments from Kento are so incredibly Kento Miyahara. Like the um, whole, I mean, the whole thread of him being a superstar and and wanting to be seen as a superstar. Of course, we could talk about that for a while. But um, what I really, really loved there was him refusing, straight up refusing to say what Nomura lacked, where, you know, previously he's like, oh, he lacks narcissism. If he had a little more confidence, he'd be fine. Now he won't say it. And he straight up says it's because if he tells anybody, he'll be overtaken. And he doesn't want that. He wants to push them off on their own to do their own thing. And and you sort of get that thread there too, with him not, you know, saying it, he wants Nomura to find what he's lacking, but he's not going to tell him because he wants to stay in that number one slot that no one can share, but him it's, it's just such a good character moment and shows 
who Nomura is to him at this time. And that's straight up a threat. Oh, yeah. Naoya is such a threat to him and his position. And I think so much of it comes down to Naoya's physicality in the ring. Like, he knows that he cannot slip up in the ring with Naoya because Naoya will overtake him. And so, like you said, like, he is of course, going to gatekeep that answer because if he discloses it, then yes, Naoya will overtake him. Naoya is that persistent and that intelligent and um, that creative, right, with how he uses his moves in the ring. So yeah, you get a lot of that. What I also found very interesting is when he said, if anyone thinks that we should all be number one, they will never defeat me. I have never once held the naive idea that we could all share the number one slot together. And granted, there is a truth to that. He has never, ever implied um, even when they created Next Dream together, at least the faction side of it, that they would all be able to hold the number one slot together. He has never said that. But the way that he says it so boldly there, and that that the the people of the new era, so he's talking specifically about Jake, Yuma, Naoya, that they have to be the ones that are that are vying for the number one spot too. And he is right now in the number one spot. And really driving home that this is not a company where we can all just kind of cohabitate and everyone can be a star at the same time. You have to have the drive to be the guy in his position and which one of you is going to figure out how to do it first. And you really get that sense of that from those quotes there. And then poor Nalia with his, I just have to crawl up from the bottom one more time. But I think that's the thing. That's the emphasis, right? One more time. He's right on top of it, which makes um, some of the next stuff sadder. But before we get into some of the aftermath of all this, I'm going to talk about another Kenji Meow article. This is from Shoe Pro 2030, September 25th, 2019. So right in the aftermath of this match. Kento Miyahara also felt the presence of Naya Nomura right behind him as he fought his way through the competition where a momentary lapse could be fatal. The cries of Kento pushed him to fight against the new era. When he put the triple crown belt around his waist, he fell to both knees and bowed his head as if still in shock. Nomura was the star of All Japan in August. After pinning Miyahara in the opening match of the Hokkaido Tour, he naturally challenged for the Triple Crown heavyweight title. When the next Triple Crown match between Nomura and Miyahara since this past March was officially decided, Nomura rocked the champion in the preliminaries. Nomura was elated when he defeated Miyahara again with his new technique, the Nomura Spear. (laughs) It seemed surefire. After all, he had two new techniques and two pins on the champion. He had one more match to go, the big show. Quote, Miyahara has been dominating the singles title match and the league tournaments, so if anyone is going to stop him, it's going to be me. And this is Naya talking. I have unprecedented confidence. I would put money on Naya Nomura, who is the strongest wrestler to date. Times are changing. Quote, this is from Kento. There have been many challengers who have said they would put an end to the Kento Miyahara era, but since I was born to be a professional wrestler, I can only feel sorry for those wrestlers who were doomed to play a supporting role in my era. I ask Nomura to play a supporting role again, and I don't think the times will change so easily. In his first challenge for the Triple Crown in March, Nomura gave the impression to the audience that he would be on top at any time, even though he lost. Considering this, his words about destroying the Miyahara regime that has been in power since October of last year were quite convincing. The six months of progress since then had given the challenger great confidence. The key was not to get hit by the shutdown suplex. The Triple Crown champion had won the belt with this move and defended it with this move. Nomura also had a strong sense of, quote, if I get hit by that, it's the end of me. 
So he thought up a shutdown strategy, and in fact, he succeeded in getting into third gear through this plan. The summit of all Japan was just around the corner as long as he could hit his finisher maximum. However, the moment he lifted Miyahara, the Triple Crown champion slipped through Nomura, got behind him, locked his arms around the challenger, and threw him. Normally, there is always a struggle moment. I had never seen such a quick shutdown. Miyahara had surpassed Nomura's shutdown blocker. I couldn't help but roar as I watched. Nomura had shaken things up with his new moves, and he had the momentum that a challenger must have. He was confident, and he had the support of the crowd's loud cheering as well. Still, he couldn't manage to win. Everything he had built up over the summer collapsed all at once. He could barely manage to squeeze out a few words, quote, I'm just going to crawl my way back up from the bottom. In fact, this was something Miyahara feared most about Nomura. The Triple Crown champion was wary that if his, quote, natural ability, which could not be measured, reached its peak, quote, it might be a little dangerous. Such a scene was indeed seen in the preliminary matches. Miyahara's descriptor, natural ability, is a very good description of Nomura. Which I think speaks beautifully to what we were just talking about, really, is that Kento is so afraid of that, quote, natural ability of Naoya's in the ring because there's an unpredictability to it, there's an incredible physicality to it, and he can bring an end to Kento at any given moment in a match. And I think it ties really in interesting ways to um, the article from Kobashi's column where he is described as not being a natural genius. Neither him nor Yuma are natural geniuses, but that natural ability is still there and he can still nurture it and get stronger and grow and grow. And that can still be a huge threat that Kento is feeling. Like you said, it it comes down to that physical strength and that physicality. It's just really interesting how it all slots together. It is. And I think it speaks to Naoya and his, his persistence and the way he practices and the way that he refuses to give up on himself a lot of the time. That's how you bridge the gap between not being a natural genius, but also having that natural ability, isn't it? So to get into some of the aftermath here, which is all, um, frankly, really sad. Jake and Naoya entered the 2019 Real World Tag League together um, from this point, and they defeated Nextream, Kento, and Yuma to make it into the finals on December 9th in Corkin against Violent Giants, Suwama, and Shuji Ishikawa. Both of these matches are, frankly, outstanding matches, but for the Nextream match, we get to see this match again in 2022, so just keep that in mind. Jake and Naoya lost to Violent Giants. On December 17th, it was announced that Sweeper would disband uh, Jake was all Asia tag champions with Koji, but he also wanted the team with Naoya and pursued the world tag titles. Naoya, like I said, he, he didn't want to be in Sweeper. Maybe he was at the end. We don't even know. Ryoji Sai was um, in Sweeper, but he was also working with Zeus, but Zeus wasn't in Sweeper. So Koji started to question what like what they were doing at Sweeper. Like, why does Sweeper exist? So they dissolved the faction, and then Koji and Jake and Naoya formed Jin together on December 21st, which is how they closed out 2019. However, in 2020, it was announced that Naoya would miss February's tour due to a herniated cervical disc, and then he missed Champion Carnival. From that point, it became clear that Naoya would be out indefinitely. He continued to update his diary on the All Japan website, and he worked a regular non-wrestling job, but there were no indications for a long time whether he would be coming back to wrestling at all. On December 5th, 2021, Naoya made his first public appearance in an All Japan ring at Corrigan Hall to announce he would be leaving the promotion after one final match by the end of the year. So I'm going to read some of the comments that were made um, around some of this. First, I'm going to talk about the comments that were made by Naoya, Yuma, and Kendo from Corrigan. In the ring, Naoya had said, 
After suffering a serious injury, I have been doing a lot of thinking, and there's something new that I wish to pursue. Therefore, I will be leaving All Japan Pro Wrestling. I am truly sorry for the sudden announcement to those who have been waiting for me. This may be selfish, but I would like to request one last match here in All Japan Pro Wrestling before I resign from the company. I would love your continued support for me in my last match. And then Yuma took the mic and said, for now, Yonomura's last All Japan match, I would like to nominate myself, Yuma Aoyagi. I understand that everyone is sad, but in the end, I want to make sure the fans and Nomura-san both leave the venue with a smile on their faces. Did you think I was going to say that, you idiot? It's our last match, after all. Now, Yonomura, I'm going to beat you senseless, so get ready, you bastard, you idiot. And that was very Yuma of him, and it did make the crowd who was very upset laugh. Oh, <laughs> uh, makes me so emotional <laughs> to I know, think about me- Yuma. It's so good. I know, it makes me so sad. Uh, all right, so then Kendo has comments as well and his comments are very serious he says the drama of yuma aoyagi and now Yonomura can only be created by them there is no room for me a professional wrestler has no choice but to enter the ring with his mind body and soul and we as professional wrestlers must stand with our mind body and soul working in unison if you lack even one of those things you lose the confidence to stand in the ring i don't know the true depth of his feelings i don't know how he really feels Perhaps that is something that only the two of them can understand through their fight in the ring together. I would love to see that view from the audience's seats. That's how much I'm looking forward to it. It's all just really sad. Um, Especially when you think about, and we'll talk about it in just a minute, like now he has injuries and things like that. And um, there's just this heavy air that's in Kurikin when this announcement is made and um, that's why, you know, Yuma's comments of, you know, he starts out very serious and like, oh, I want you all to smile. And then he sort of turns it into this kayfabe of like, no, I'm going to fight you, you idiot. And and everybody knows that's him, you know, making light of a situation and being very Yuma Aoyagi about it. And, and it just lightens the mood. Um, and that ties in beautifully to what Kento's saying is that, you know, there's really something there that, you know, he isn't a part of. And that speaks to what was built in Next Stream. And, and you said it yourself. We could talk about all the different relationships that go on between these four. And we could talk about them forever. But even just focusing on, you know, their relationships with Kento, you still get to experience how these relationships play out. And I think that's just a really cool and incredible thing. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's like so beautifully said. And I want to say too about Kento's comments. He he brings up the mind, body, and soul of a wrestler. And how everything has to work in unison um, in order for them to do what they do. And I think that that probably says so much without saying a lot at all for the situation. I hate speculating about Naya's situation. There are some things that I'll say based off of the note from his Twitter that I'll read in a second. But um, I think Kento kind of drives at something that's really important in understanding about the situation that Naya is experiencing. That we are not, I think, even like we're not even a little bit privy to everything that I think he has experienced since he got hurt and couldn't come back. So there is something to how succinctly he sort of wraps all of that up and the respect that he also gave the two of them in those comments. And I also want to add that, you know, now he didn't come out and give his comments alone. He was called out to the ring by Suwama and both of them were in suits. So this was taken very, very, very seriously. Suwama, if we think back to the article that I read earlier about now you're leaving evolution, his paternal sort of, thoughts and feelings around now yeah just in that in a kayfabe sense i mean like there is something to suwama being the one to stand there with him and to you know essentially give his blessing to that situation so yeah it's just it's it's a lot the next thing i want to read because i do think it's so important to have all of this in now words 
The next thing I'm going to read is um, a note that Nawi uploaded to his own Twitter account. This was uploaded on January 28th, 2022. So about a month and a couple of weeks after his final match and such in All Japan. He starts out, To all of my fans, thank you for your continued support. I am grateful for all the various comments I have received from fans via SNS. Although it's late, I would like to finally speak on the matter that on December 5th, I mentioned I would formally announce at a later date. In truth, my contract with All Japan Pro Wrestling ended on December 31st, 2019. I was still competing as a freelancer, but soon after I suffered a serious injury, so I missed the timing to make an announcement. Although I was no longer a signed roster member, I still decided to call this a resignation to give myself a sense of closure. For one year and eight months after injury, I worked my regular day job to make a living. I was struggling both financially and mentally. My injury wasn't healing well, and I thought about quitting the pro wrestling business altogether. At the time, someone told me, don't trouble yourself with the details. Just focus on your injuries. Don't think about what happens next. Thanks to those words from that person, I was able to move forward. I felt that conveying my honest, transparent feelings was the most important thing for my future activities, and I would like to have many experiences in many different places in the years to come. Thank you again for your continued support. I think this was just a very, it was a very formal letter. The language was very, very formal. And it sort of drove home just how serious this was. And and it drove home how serious his injuries were too. Like him showing that transparency, I guess, is, is the big thing here is that he really wanted to be honest with the fans on where he was at and, and how bad his injury really was. And you can sense that in this note is that he he felt as though he had left something on the table and he really just wanted to to bear it here and and it's hard it's it's just really hard to read but um I really admire him for making this note like at all yeah I do too and it's hard because it's you don't want to read that someone struggled so much with their injury and then also financially and everything else that he experienced in that time I read somewhere else that even in coming back um which we'll get to in a second you know his neck is not 100% which is not something you want to hear so yeah it's just it's so hard to have someone so talented and who has played such an important role in the the more modern era of all Japan go through this you know next stream 1.0 is an incredible thing it's a rare thing it's a beautiful thing it is also a thing that is marred at times by tragedy and this is um a huge part of that tragedy of of next stream 1.0 is this injury taking Naoi out for so long and, and him having um a lot of things to I think work through um in his mind and his body and like kind of set his, his soul all these things together I think that's exactly it on December 16th in Korokin Yuma defeated Naoya and once again we were left wondering if Naoya would retire or pursue wrestling elsewhere a few of us were wondering if uh well we were Akiyama truthers really we, we thought he might turn up in DDT so it's where we were wondering if he would end up going mm-hmm. I think one thing to point out too is that a lot of us did not know that he had let his contract run up before he got hurt back in 2019 which is really really interesting that was part I think of why people like myself thought he might be going to join Akiyama etc instead Naya started wrestling for capture in 2022 and he became capture international champion on may 8th in basement monstar which is located in tokyo he also started a tag team with mizuki watase called real blood and now you had some gambare appearances as a result Yuma began making public comments about Naoya being a basement champion, amongst other things, which resulted in Naoya and Watase storming All Japan's ring in Shinyuri 21 Hall on June 6th so that Naoya could confront both Yuma and Jake, which we'll talk about later. Naoya basically ignored Kento, though, which really did throw Kento off. 
But that is how Naoya began participating in All Japan again, as an enemy or an outsider, so to speak, of the promotion. I think there's a prodigal son element to his affect as well that you're supposed to buy into. He was angrier, and I think particularly at his former Next Stream teammates, and then of course Hokuto Amori, who um, incurs a lot of anger with his comments at people. But Naoya's singles matches tended to be quick and brutal affairs. Um, his first match back in All Japan was on June 19th in Oda City General Gymnasium for All Japan's Champions Night 4 against Hokuto, and Naoya won in 4 minutes and 29 seconds. It's actually crazy how much happens around Next Stream at Champions Night 4. That is a Next Stream dominant show at the end of the day. It's a good show. Naoya participated in that year's Royal Road and opened the tournament with a huge win over Yuma Aoyagi on August 7th in Korokin. I sometimes get worried that you guys have forgotten how good that match was, so go watch that match again if you haven't watched it in a while. After getting past Takao Mori in Hodogaya Public Hall in Yokohama on August 16th, he was meant to meet Jake Lee in the semifinals on August 20th, my birthday, but he tested positive for COVID and was pulled from that tournament, which was absolutely heartbreaking. He returned for a number one contendership match against Jake at the Budokan on September 18th. Naoya won in a very controversial 43 seconds, but it was also very reminiscent of the 2000 champion carnival match between Akiyama and Kawamori. Take that for what you will. I have extensive thoughts on how this all played out. I've said it a million times on Talking <laughs> Triple Grounds. Just go back to those episodes if you want my thoughts. They're but good it punched, episodes. They are pretty good episodes, but it punches ticket to face whoever won the Budokan main event between Suama and Kento for the Triple Crown that night, Kento regained the title, so that leads into Kento and Naoya's 11th singles match. That singles match took place on September 19th, so the very next day, right after the Budokan. This is in Cork and Hall as well. This is AJPW Mania X. Very fun name. So Naya is in the black real blood tights that I know are very controversial for folks, but I think they're better than like the camo pants, so you know, do with that what you will. Naoya rushes Kento before the bell rings, a callback to some of their earliest singles matches. Kento dodges, Naoya spears the turnbuckle pad with force, and then these two are off. This is like the craziest way to to, um, enter that match possible, and very reminiscent of what he did to win against Jake the night before. They lay into each other with forearms, Kento tries for a German, Naoya evades and uses the ropes to take Kento down and attempt a quick roll-up for a two-count. Kento rolls to the outside and he looks like he's shocked. Naya slaps the mat because that was a close two count. Kento stops talking to himself and gets back in the ring. <laughs> he was walking around the ring talking to himself. They exchange holds and Kento takes Naya down with a headlock. A lot of, hey, ask him ref from Kento. Naya reverses with his own headlock. Kento breaks the hold, sends Naya into the ropes, but Naya comes back with a shoulder tackle and Kento goes to the outside. Naya follows and lands forearms to the back. Firearms carry, and then he throws Kento into the ring post, followed by a kick to a downed Kento. Naya sends Kento into a barricade, and Kento tries to get space between them, but Naya will not let up. He sends Kento into another ring post, and then gets back into the ring when the ref yells at him. The ref starts to count for Kento, and the crowd begins the Kento clap. Kento gets on the apron, and Naya charges at him, but Kento evades the spear, letting Naya get draped over the second rope. He drop kicks Naya in the head and tries to whip him into a guardrail, but Naya sends him into the guardrail instead. Kento capitalizes on Naya's speed and lifts him into the air so he can bring him back down on top of the guardrail. Kento screams. Between admonishing the ref for not asking Naya if he's ready to quit, Kento lands a headbutt and a kick to Naya still on the outside. Naya tries to fire back with open palm strikes, but Kento connects with another headbutt and Naya falls to the mat. We get another whoo from Kento and finally he rolls Naya into the ring. Kento goes for a cover and Naya kicks out at what looks like one and then puts him in a face lock. Naya gets to the ropes and Kento lets go and comes back with kicks to Naya on one knee. 
Natya slaps the mat in frustration, stands, and starts slamming strikes into Kento's chest as Kento challenges him. Kento lands a kick flushed to Natya's face and demands the ref ask him again. Natya gets up. Kento lands a headbutt. They scramble. Kento lands a basement drop kick to bring Natya to a knee, but never forget how well scouted Natya has his senior and former faction mate despite the time since their last singles match. He evades Kento's follow-up drop kick off the ropes and lands a double leg stomp to Kento's midsection. Kento suffers but gets it to a corner. Natya runs in, forearm to the neck. Kento whips him into the opposite corner and Natya comes back with a shoulder tackle. He hits the ropes, comes at Kento who misses him with a big boot. Naya hits the opposite ropes and sends Kento to the mats with another hard shoulder tackle. Kento gets to the ropes. Naya attempts to spear him, but gets caught in the second ropes again. Kento tries to drop kick him, but once again, Naya knows him too well and dodges. Kento scrambles to his feet, but Naya is charging back across the ring at him and connects with the spear, sending Kento crashing to the mat, and Naya hangs between the ropes for a moment. Naya lays in the ring while the ref counts for Kento. Kento rolls back in and he's holding his middle and coughing from a corner. Naya lines him up from the opposite corner and rushes in for not quite a spear, more like a body tackle. Naya runs back to the corner, but Kento follows him, calling him a motherfucker, and connects with a huge kick. But Naya meets him with the forearms and they exchange wildly before Naya catches Kento's arms and drags him to the mat for his modified pillow arm lock, a finisher he had been using since coming to capture in 2022. Kento looks like he's struggling to stay conscious and Naya goes for a cover but gets a two count. Naya brings Kento back down with a body slam and goes to the top turnbuckle and lands a frog splash. He quickly goes to the top of the opposite turnbuckle to complete the set but Kento gets his knees up. They both suffer for this, of course. They stand and start to trade some desperate forearms, more exhausted than before, but the energy picks up as they begin to scream at each other. Naya gets taken to one knee from the strikes, but Kento soon follows him. The crowd claps for them. They stand. Kento lands three quick but heavy strikes, and he turns to run for the ropes. Naya follows him and lands a running forearm, turns and runs to the opposite ropes, but Kento meets him with a fucking lariat, which looks awesome. Kento charges Naya with a knee, but while Kento is running the ropes, Naya drags the ref in front of him, and Kento has to push him aside. This disrupts the flow of momentum, so Naya is able to land a stiff forearm to Kento, Hit the ropes, spear into the roll-up, two count for Naya. Naya hits another spear from behind to Kento on his knees, gets him up for the Northern Lights bomb, two count for Naya. Naya struggles to get Kento up, but he puts him in a fireman's carry. Kento slips off and catches Naya before he can spear him, screams, pushes off, and knees Naya in the face. The knee brings them both to the mats, but the crowd's claps are hulking Kento up. Both of them struggle to their feet. Kento screams again and goes for the shutdown suplex. Now he escapes, catches Kento's flash knee, and then the forearms from hell begin, and he just tees off on him. Amazing. Kento oh. makes the mistake of running at him, as he always does, and now he catches him flush with a nasty forearm. Now he goes for the cover and gets a two count, but he gets him up for the fireman's carry into maximum. Another two count. That sequence is, like, fucking crazy. Naya goes for infinity, but Kento flips out of it and runs into an open palm slap. Naya eats a knee for that, but the crowd goes, oh, and Naya barely registers it. It's like the Terminator shit again. And quite literally imbues the force of the knee with his head, coming back at Kento with his fists in the air, and he tees off with strikes again. Kento catches him and goes for the shutdown suplex, which he manages to hit with the desperation of a man on his last legs trying to cage a wild beast. And Kento wins at 20 minutes and 24 seconds. They look at each other afterward, both on the mat, and then Kento extends his fist. Now he meets it with his own. I watched this match, what, two, three days ago? Like, it was it was the last match I watched in my marathon, and I, I enjoyed it. I really did. But your, like, breaking down everything and describing it got me, like, even more hype about it. And I, and I want to go back and rewatch it. 
once again, yeah, it's, it's a lot. It's, uh, you've got a lot of Nauya's sort of new attitude um, from capture in this. And and that's always something that was really compelling when he came back, you got, you know, it was very exciting and you were right on with like that prodigal son sort of vibe that he had. And you can really feel it going from the Budokan in that 43 second match into this, like you just don't know what's going to happen. And, and I genuinely thought like we could have this insane one day run from Kento Miyahara. Like you could feasibly make that happen. Like it felt like it really felt like it could go either way. I didn't really think Dalia could win, but I didn't think Kento had it in the bag. You know what I'm saying? And this match really um, took that to that next level where you feel like Kento does not have this in the bag <laughs> the entire time. And they do a phenomenal job with it it's just a really good match and then the um that fist bump at the end was something that you talked about at length and um we continued to talk about it and we'll we'll talk about it as we get into our next bit with um the shupo article by meow song because he he noted a lot of different things that we noted as well this was a match that was very important for me i noted it was one of my favorite matches of last year when we did our our end of the year episode for kick out it's amazing how when you watch something consecutively and you spend some time sort of immersing yourself back in the history of everything and stringing things together, how things take on, I think, even different meaning. Because um, this was the one I watched at like, you know, I think it was probably like 530 in the morning when I finally put it on because I have to do so many things in the, at that time in the morning now. But uh, this match made me like a hundred more times emotional than um, I think even the first like two times I've seen it and watching it for this episode because you can feel the the weight of these two having not met in a singles match now for almost it would be three years almost exactly that they had they had not met in a singles match because of Nauya's injuries and being out. It's amazing how though it, it doesn't feel like any time has has passed and we we do see the next evolution of their relationship in a lot of ways because this is Nauya at his at his most dangerous. I think I said this at the time with this match and also with um we're gonna talk about some of the Yuma matches too. This is Kento at his most mortal when it comes to Naoya and then when it comes to Yuma. He starts to look mortal because they've now started to really catch him. And it's coming down to the final seconds of, of these matches, the difference between who's going to take it. And you and you get that in this. And like Naoya, and I, th- I think you said this beautifully, but like just Naoya, for all the things that we don't understand about Naoya not resigning with All Japan and, and Naoya spending so much time away from All Japan keeping in mind that now he only worked like 23 matches in 2022. He's not working a lot of dates. And I think we understand why the capture element to his whole move set, some of the changes that he's made and, and the, his affect and his general character stuff, it works so incredibly well for him. And just that he can be so creative to walk away from his home promotion, go to capture, have these different experiences, add in a new submission to his arsenal. It works so incredibly well. It makes him, that much more dangerous for kento and you see that in the final moments of this match i mean kento is really is really working so fucking hard to to stay the triple crown champion for longer than a day um it's it's like really incredible to see and you can you can feel all of that you know between them and then it kind of culminates in this beautiful this beautiful fist bump between the two of them that had such weight and then took on even more meaning once we got through some of the Kenji Miao stuff and then had the realization that like, oh, Kento never spoke about Naoya after the match, which is incredibly unusual. So let me get into some of that. 
Kenji Miao wrote about these guys in Shoe Pro number 2206. That's from October 12th, 2022. And he says, when I saw him hit Kento Miyahara with a powerful elbow, I couldn't help but think back to three years ago. It was also at Corken Hall where Naoya Nomura last challenged for Miyahara's Triple Crown Heavyweight title. I couldn't help but be impressed by the ferocious elbow, so I said to referee Kyohei Wada, who presided over that match, Nomura's elbows were amazing. And Kyohei had the same or even better opinion. Quote, if he polished them up, they could rival Misawa's. That Mitsuhara Misawa. I was surprised to hear that, but it was said by the referee who was closest to the fight at the time. From that day on, I've come to see Nomura and legend as one and the same in terms of elbows. However, Nomura left All Japan after a lengthy absence from the ring. He returned to his old stomping grounds in June of this year as an outside enemy, but his fighting style was far more aggressive than before, as he had been exposed to capture his main battleground. I love that they made capture into like this very like exotic... <laughs> It's the underground fight club. It's, it's the underground cool. fight club. Yeah. He got oh you know, tough under there. Yeah. That's amazing. All right. Anyway, when he decided the challenge for the triple crown after destroying Jake Lee in seconds at the Nippon Budokan the night before, he immediately said, quote, I am not the now you know more you know. I've changed. And thus he declared war on the champion. Miyahara, as expected, had read Nomura's game plan and somehow managed to get through his quick attack, which he intended to be a repeat of the Jake match. Nomura was still on the offensive, however. His elbows were becoming more and more powerful. In addition, he had a fierce straight right, as well as wild and random striking. Miyahara held his ground. He was proud to win back the Triple Crown at the 50th anniversary Budokan event, saying, quote, Tomorrow is the beginning of a new era. Having said that, he could not afford to stumble right out the game. After the match, Takao Mori appeared and announced his challenge. The surprise of this unexpected challenger caused an uproar in the hall. Thus, the loss had very little afterglow for Nomura. What caught my eye was Miyahara's comments, both in the ring and backstage, where he would normally say a few words to his challenger, but Nomura's name never came out of Miyahara's mouth. The topic was all about the Triple Crown match to be held in Sanjo on October 2nd. So I found him and asked him, quote, did you feel that Nomura, who competed for the Triple Crown for the first time in a long time, has improved over the past three years? Of course, I asked this in consideration of the fact that Miyahara also had three years worth of improvements. <laughs> He's got to play to Kendo's ego at the same time as asking this question, of course. Kendo said, I can't compare, but there is a huge difference between those three years. For Nomura, it was a tough three-year period in which he battled injuries and struggled through hardships unknown to others. Kendo, however, takes pride in the three years where he has done more and more for all Japan. I don't think he can lose to anyone right now, not just Nomura. Miyahara and Omura met face-to-face -face after the match, if only for a moment. I think Miyahara's feelings were concentrated there. There was an emotion there that only two people who had fought against each other could understand. Man, this was absolutely one of my favorite write-ups that um, I went through for Miyahara-san. So first off, I want to sort of paint the image. Um, we were compiling all of our information for this episode and everything I had been translating. And Alicia asked me, she's like, where well, there's nothing translated and no comments for this um, 2022 match. I was like, oh, it's because Kento said absolutely nothing about Nomura. He only talked about um, Takao Mori. And then I stopped and I was like, wait, that's weird. And Alicia's like, yeah, that's weird. And then so we hunted down this article and, and Miao-san straight up noticed, like, wait a minute, that's weird. So it, it's very... Um, telling of how close attention Miyasan's really paying to these guys and, and how invested he is in this. And that's um, one of those 
one of the reasons why when he gets to um, stating, you know, it was a tough three-year period in which he battled injuries and struggled through hardships unknown to others, um, it really paints that picture of like, we don't know the full story with Nomura. If if Meow is is paying attention and thinking about this and and he doesn't know the whole story, we don't know the whole story. And um, it just, yeah, it, it really drives home an element of humanity to it all. And it's, it's heartbreaking, but it's also really beautiful then when you get to that fist bump and that moment between them, um, those, those feelings that were concentrated in that one single moment. I think what's most important to me about knowing that Kento didn't talk about Naya backstage, that they meant the fist bump to be their comments. I think it drives home something that really is important to me that other people understand about these four. And like you said, it's about the humanity of them, which I think often often gets overlooked in, in any aspect of wrestling that we're talking about. But these four are real friends and real brothers. And sometimes there are things going on that are actually way more important than the wrestling and the kayfabe, right? For Kento to not take an opportunity to set up more kayfabe and for him to say nothing about Nalia should tell you exactly how how much he feels for his brother and his friend. And I just want people to remember that I think when they're when they're talking about this and when they're talking about you know why hasn't Nalia resigned? Why hasn't Nalia done this? We just don't know and we're not meant to know. And Nalia might never share with us that we know as much as we know is is probably a blessing in and of itself. But I think it's sometimes people do need to remember that there is a lot of kayfabe between these guys. There's just a lot of kayfabe in general in professional wrestling, but there's also enough that we have seen between the four over the years to know that these are four friends and four brothers. It's the fist bump, you know, that's, that's what we're meant to know. That's all that we're meant to know. And sometimes that's okay. Beautifully said. <laughs> in the aftermath of all of this, to finish up our section with Naoya, Yuma made what is called a, a love call to Naoya. And the two of them revived Nobuyagi in December of that year. This is 2022, vowing to claim the world tag titles, but also have a triple crown match against each other during that new year. And I love that because it wasn't just that we're going to revive Nomu Yagi and work together. We are going to ultimately fight against each other because that's what we do. That's what we came from together in Next Room 1.0, right? But there is a sense, I think, of, of joy and brotherhood to it that is that is just really beautiful. So I was really grateful for that. They went on to defeat the Saito brothers on January 2nd, 2023 in Corican to become the number one contenders for the world tag titles. And on January 22nd, also in Corican, Nomuyagi defeated champions Kento and Takunomura to become the new world tag team champions. Please watch that match. On March 21st in Oda City General Gymnasium, Nomuyagi lost the world tag belts to Kongo, Kento and Manabusoya. It was revealed by Naoya the next day that he knew in December he had an ACL injury in his left knee, but after the tag match, he was examined and his ACL had ruptured, which is um, just miserable. Um, I remember when they they won, Yuma went to one side of the ring to get on the ring post and kind of play to the crowd with the belts. And I remember, Rachel, because I, I was talking to you um, probably when I was watching it, and Naoya goes to follow Yuma on the opposite corner and there's um, the camera gets his face perfectly as he's doing it, but he winces so fucking hard. And I remember like messaging you and saying like, there's something wrong. Like, there's something wrong. And I didn't know it was his knee, but it was his knee. Naoya said he would have to take time to get treatment and miss anything that he would have been scheduled for from that point. We got an update from him in May saying that his surgery had been delayed because of the internal swelling in his knee, but he had been able to get the surgery and was just really starting PT. So we don't know 
when he is coming back, but he keeps saying he will be back. Yeah, I just hope for his recovery. And I'm glad he's still, you know, communicating his desires to return to the ring, especially after um, stating that he had been thinking of retiring during his last serious injury. So just all the best for him. And and we hope to see more from him in all Japan, because I, I don't think it's truly over, especially him and especially him and Yuma. I don't think it's over between them. And I want to see more from them in the future. Yeah, I, I think I trust a little bit more now than before that he will come back i think he's in a much better place mentally to make that decision but because of the delayed surgery we just don't really know when that will be so we will just have to continue to wait for Naya. i do think as long as Naya is able to wrestle and wants to wrestle he is a son of this company he will be a triple crown champion one day he will be kento but it's just going to take longer than i think anyone and especially him would have ever imagined and we are owed a uh Yuma Naoya Triple Crown match, which brings us to our Triple Crown champion. You're leaping ahead in time, but yes, it does indeed bring us to Mr. Yuma Aoyagi. We gotta we gotta figure out how he gets there. More or less, yes. So yeah, let's get straight into Yuma. Their first match together is on December 14th, 2014. It's at Korokin. It's an anniversary show for WADA. It's like a Kyohei WADA produced show, which is actually kind of interesting. Yuma is in blue trunks and gear gifted to him by Jun Akiyama. And Kento is in the white gear he was wearing during his time in Exceed. This is a rather quick and unremarkable match in the grand scheme of things. What makes it so important, like some of the other rivalries we've already discussed in our series, uh, and that's like Okada and Naito, Maruken, Kento was Yuma's debut opponent. And as we've mentioned on episodes of Talking Triple Crown, Yuma really was the fourth guy in Next Stream. And I don't think anyone could have predicted how he would go on to capture people's hearts and minds in the way that he has. To that point, you don't see much in this match, but a rookie being beaten by an Abikatame in less than nine minutes. Kento was quite kind to him, though. After the pin, he checks on him and helps him stand up. He encourages the crowd to cheer for him, pats him on the neck and shoulder, and then just walks away. And Yuma bows to the crowd. If anything, you can treat it like the anniversary of how long Yuma and Kento have both been annoying Wada at the same time. So that's what you get (laughs) for their first match together. Now, the next match we don't have access to, I'm just me and Deswari were not able to find it online, but they have a second match together on November 15th of 2015. Um, and that one is in Tokyo. And then their next match together is not until 2019. That's for a variety of reasons. Um, Yuma was a junior heavyweight for a while, so they just weren't putting Kento against him, I guess, in singles matches. And there's probably some other factors in there as well. So Match three for them is on April 17th, 2019. This is a champion carnival match, block A match. This is in Shinkiba, first ring in Tokyo. Kento is triple crown champion. And this is, like I said, 2019 is, is huge, right? This is more he's trying to make history, um, chasing that record set by Tenru. Yuma is still in next stream and he's in those blue, white, and red tights with the red A on them. The red A looks very Avengers, very superhero to me, which is so Yuma Aoyagi. He's, he loves superheroes. He looks more like the Yuma we know now, but he's still so young. If you go and look at him in the first match, he looks like a little baby. He's not even fully grown into like his own body yet, but by here, he looks more like Yuma. This is his first champion carnival, the one that's in 2019. 
So Kento looks around very startled by the crowd doing some dual chants for him and Yuma. They begin with a lockup and Kento drives Yuma up against the ropes. Wada demands they break and the crowd giggles because Wada came out the gate really hot in this match and he just like had no time for them. Kento relents and pats Yuma on the chest, hair askew. They lock up again and Yuma gets his revenge by putting Kento against the ropes and then driving his forearm into Kento's chest. He gets Kento in a headlock and they run the ropes. Kento gets a kick in and Yuma tricks him into going to the outside. With Kento standing on the outside, Yuma gets back into the ring and hits Kento's strongman pose, which the crowd reacts to. Kento gets on the apron, but Yuma drop kicks him off. Yuma is known for being like a trickster, basically, in how he interacts with people. He's known for making um, some very blunt and funny comments about his opponents as well. So this all plays into that version of Yuma. Yuma follows him out and stomps on Kento laying on the floor. He gets Kento up and into the ring so he can use one of the ring posts to scissor Kento's legs and do some damage to them. Kento screams while Wada mines Yuma. Yuma snaps one of Kento's legs and Kento falls to the floor again. Yuma plays to the crowd and gets some crowd support, but not as much as Kento does. Yuma tries a headbutt like his senior, but he makes some gestures like, well, that didn't go to plan. Um, Kento retaliates by landing one of his own and Yuma stumbles back. Kento winds up with another big boot and then argues with Wada a bit before using a ring post to choke Yuma. Wada lets this go on a minute before he decides that he has had enough of Kento. He attacks Kento to get him to end the choke and they continue to argue about Kento getting back in the ring before Kento headbutts Yuma and leaves him on the mat. Wada checks on him and starts to count while Kento stands in the ring, but then Kento comes back out of the ring to throw Yuma in. Wada pressures Kento back in by keeping the count up. Kento literally cannot stop fighting with Wada, but he gets Yuma off the mat in what looks like a brain buster attempt. Yuma blocks, but Kento manages to get him draped off the ropes. Kento makes a face at Wada, which incenses him, and then he runs off the ropes and drop kicks Yuma in the head. Yuma comes back with some forearms, but Kento gets him with another headbutt, basement drop kick to the knee, and then a drop kick coming off the ropes. Kento tries to wind up, but Yuma surprises him with a big boot. He misses with a senton off the ring post and grabs his back in agony. Kento takes his time fixing his knee pads because it's obvious that he is not concerned or bothered by Yuma at all. And you see this a lot in their earlier matches. He grabs Yuma by the hair and stands in front of him, unmoving to further illustrate this. Yuma lands a forearm and Kento holds his arms out to say, try harder. Yuma lands another forearm and then a much harder uppercut, which forces Kento to send Yuma against the ropes. Kento misses with his clothesline attempts and Yuma takes Kento to the ground with a body tackle. Kento crawls to a corner and Yuma gets the Shinkaba crowd behind him before racing into Kento's corner and landing two hard tackles. He manages to land a diving body attack after Kento sends him into the opposite ring post and he capitalizes on the momentum. Yuma tries to get him up, but Kento gets Yuma over the ropes. Kento tries to kick him off the apron, but Yuma lands a dragon screw. Yuma forces Kento onto the ring apron, lands forearms, then runs at him, but Kento hits a big boot and then a DDT to Yuma. They both collapse to the outside in pain. Kento gets in the ring, but Wada has to count for Yuma. Wada has a vested interest in Yuma winning this, though, so he slows the count at one point and then quite literally pushes Yuma back into the ring. Kento points at Wada, and it's so... That part is really funny. Kento hits a big kick in the corner to Yuma anyway, but Yuma fires back with some quick forearms and an uppercut as the crowd loses it. Yuma sends Kento back for a German, but Kento manages to kick Yuma in the face afterward. Once Yuma is up, Kento tries to bring him back for a suplex or possibly... The shutdown suplex, but Yuma is able to DDT him and transition into Endgame, which Yuma had only just debuted during this champion carnival against Zeus. Kento manages to fight to the bottom rope, even with Wada actively praying for his downfall during that hold. Yuma attempts to bring Kento back for a suplex, but Kento is able to get behind him and do just that to Yuma instead, and the form on it is actually a thing of beauty. 
Kento attempts to shut down suplex, but Yuma donkey kicks Kento in the knee. Kento lets go and tries to hit Yuma with a very fast knee to the face, but Yuma manages to block with the most impressive slap, which sends Kento to the floor. Yuma quickly follows up with three Germans, and Wada looks delighted, but Kento kicks out of them all. Yuma goes for the Rockstar Buster, but Kento gets out of it and lands a blockout knee. They roll around on the ground, and Wada counts for them, but Kento gets up, misses another knee, and Yuma almost gets a three count on a roll-up using the ropes. Kento does manage to land a knee, Yuma screams at him and Kento puts him down with another, but Yuma kicks out at two. Kento goes for the shutdown suplex as the crowd screams and gets the three count, pinning Yuma at 17 minutes and 55 seconds. Kento drags Yuma up and puts his hand out for a handshake. And Yuma kind of accepts it, but he mostly just slaps his hand away, which the crowd has a big ooh for. Yeah, this this match is fascinating. <laughs> For a lot of Wada content, um, but but you know you you must still looked good, and you can tell, especially I mean, well, comparing to their their previous match, you know he's a whole different man. But um, you're beginning to see more and more of his personality and his move set, and um, it was really helpful information to know that the End Game had only just uh, been debuted against Zeus. So that sort of shows you where he is now, because now he's like three finishers beyond that um more like two but um you know he he's evolved so much from then and you know this was such a more evolved version of him here but it's interesting this um this match is interesting for reasons we'll get into is is that idea of um him not being ready for kento and, and kento not really taking him all that seriously as a threat where there's just something stopping him um and it's not just Kento. Kento's almost more worried about Wada here. There's something internal in Yuma Aoyagi, and it's just really fascinating. Yeah, I think that there's um at this early stage of their relationship, Kento is absolutely w- much more worried about fighting Wada for some reason during this match. Like that is clearly like where his energy is being spent rather than with Yuma. He's not worried at any point that he's gonna lose. And that's so different than if you compare that just to Naoya at this point, right? Yeah. Even earlier on, um, there is, I think, a sense that he is afraid that if he makes a wrong move, he will lose to Naoya because of the threat that Naoya poses in the ring and the way that he demonstrates that he learns quickly, that he gets better with every match. I don't think that Kento views uh, Yuma that way, but I also think that there's so much to Yuma still needing to grow and find himself at this stage of things, Um, even in 2019. 2019 wasn't a long time ago, but he is still he's still the fourth guy in next stream there's still a sense of that even here so in the post-match kento was asked what did you think of ayagi and kento said as you can see he has the ability it's just a matter of time my strength isn't going anywhere the rest is here and he beats his chest over his heart it's how i'm number one around here it's impossible for everyone to be in the number one slot in this world those who have the naive idea of all being number one together will never be able to beat me if yuma ayagi had even a little bit of doubt in his heart that might be the reason for my victory today. It's a fine line. You never know what's going to happen next time. I was reminded of that today. So there it is. Yeah. Yeah, he he says it very well. He he spells that out right there on the page. Yeah. It was interesting to read if Yuma Aoyagi had even a little bit of doubt in his heart, that might be the reason for my victory today. And I think it really drives home that sense of, well, Yuma doesn't know himself yet. And Yuma doesn't mm-hmm. have his priorities straight yet. And it'll be interesting to see how that develops over time and how that sort of plays out between them, because I think Yuma has, you know, some strong opinions about the way Kento treats him and, and speaks about him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
I'm going to talk about a Shoe Pro article from Kenji Miao. It's from number 2050, February 5th, 2020. This one comes off the back of Kento retaining the Triple Crown over Jake Lee in January 2020. Yuma afterwards sends Kento back for um, a German. And this is where the All Japan joke stuff comes into play. But then this is how they set up the Triple Crown match for Kento and Yuma the following month in February. So we're going to read this one because this one talks about the stipulation that becomes really important to that match of if Yuma loses, he has to leave next stream. So I'm going to read this one to you guys now. It's strange, isn't it? Said Kento Miyahara. This magazine covered the Triple Crown match on January 3rd at Gorkin Hall in a five-page article. However, the first two pages of the spread were not about Kento defending this title, nor his challenger, Jake Lee, but instead Yuma Aoyagi. It is true that this is not normal, but Miyahara's tone of voice was not angry. Rather, he sounded pleased. Quote, you can probably sense Aoyagi's true nature even through the photo. That's why he came out on top despite the Triple Crown. Immediately after pulling out a surprise German against the Triple Crown champion, Aoyagi had an indescribable smile on his face. However, even though the people around him had never seen th that expression on Aoyagi before, Miyahara knew that this was his true nature. He finally revealed his inner self, which he had been suppressing for so long, and that part of him made people happy. In fact, this is his first attempt at the Triple Crown, and the tour has had him in preview matches every day. Miyahara has the advantage in terms of wins and losses, but all eyes are on the challenger who has thrown the Triple Crown champion with his German several times after matches. The important thing, however, is that the match has not yet been won directly. Ayagi has never beaten Miyahara, so it is difficult to imagine him beating the champion. A week after the Kasukabe show, the final preview match will be held in Kyoto, so the challenger needed to make a strong impression here. Aoyagi did just that. Miyahara gave up to the stranglehold of the endgame. In this match, Aoyagi finally got his first win from the Triple Crown Champion. Ayagi stated, quote, I think all of you who are here today in Kasukabe are really lucky. It's hard to believe that Kento Miyahara would ever give up. The result on February 11th will be the same. I will show him the same fate. Next time he will suffer the same thing as today in a one-on-one -on -one match. I'll say it a third time because it's important. I'll make him suffer the same thing as today. Aoyagi, who is riding high on momentum, says that endgame alone is not enough and he plans to prepare a new weapon. There is more to come. Miyahara, on the other hand, upon hearing Aoyagi's proposed, quote, banishment from next stream, said, quote, if I lose, he'll be able to leave. However, if I win, there's something I would like to say. He has something on his mind. So yeah, that leads us into the February 11th triple crown match between Kento and Yuma. Again, Yuma's first Triple Crown Challenge ever in his career, let alone against Kento. And this is at Cork and Hall. And this is their fourth match together. So Yuma is finally in blue and black shorts with lots of detailing. I think he was always meant to be a shorts guy. So that's this is good news. Um, he also wears like these compression sleeves in this era. I think they were more for show, but I never liked those on him. So I'm glad that he stopped using them. Kento is in the very dominant red gear with gold and white and black details. They circle for a moment before locking up and Yuma gets Kento against the ropes. Kento is overly concerned about the rope break and Yuma pats his cheeks before backing off. Kento is shocked at that behavior. They run the ropes and trade big kicks, but Kento shoves Yuma out of the ring and they go to the outside. Kento goes to throw Yuma toward the crowd, but Yuma quickly uses the ring post to get back in the ring and then kicks Kento off the ring apron. 
Yuma holds his arms out and the crowd cheers. Yuma hops out of the ring to stamp on Kento and then Kento manages to hurl Yuma into a ring post. Kento goes to hit Yuma, but Yuma moves away and Kento connects with the post instead. Yuma uses the opposite post to work over Kento's arm and Wada tells him to get back in the ring, but he doesn't. Yuma shoves Kento into the post and continues to work over that bad arm. He gets on the ring apron and goes for a diving body attack, but Kento blocks this. Kento immediately starts headbutting Yuma until he collapses to the mat. Kento keeps up this relentless headbutt attack around the outside as Wada reminds him to get back in the ring. Yuma attacks Kento's arm again and then sends him into the corking crowd. The camera angle is tough, but Kento manages to drop Yuma from a height onto something. The fans are in the way, so it's kind of hard to tell. Might just be straight onto the floor, but I can't really tell. Kento walks away into the ring, waggling his tongue and fingers because he knows he's a monster, and he hits his signature pose. I kind of wish he'd bring back the waggling of the of the fingers. That was kind of fun. Yuma gets back in the ring and Kento headbutts him, sends him into the opposite corner. Yuma gets himself onto the top turnbuckles and has to kick Kento so he slides off. Then he gets himself back onto the turnbuckles and does a double knee dive onto Kento's bad arm. So there really is a theme of him working over this arm during this match, which will help him in avoiding the shutdown suplex. Kento agonizes over the bad arm and then Yuma kicks him in the chest, runs at him off the ropes, but Kento trips him into the ropes he follows this up with a drop kick to the head from the apron outside of the ropes kento walks away holding the bad arm and flexing his fingers kento gets back in the ring and lands a kick to yuma in the corner he walks away playing to the crowd and doesn't notice yuma followed him out of the corner smiling because he still doesn't take yuma seriously yuma bumps chest with him and urges kento on so kento delivers him a headbutt and then sends yuma against the ropes yuma runs the ropes and takes kento to the mat with a diving shoulder tackle Yuma capitalizes with Endgame, but Kento quickly gets to the ropes. Kento's arm's in a bad way, and Yuma makes Wada check to see if he can even continue, but he does. Yuma blocks Kento's attack in the corner with a kick, blocks him again by kicking him in the bad arm, and then takes Kento to the mat again with an arm breaker over the top rope. On the outside, Yuma pushes the mats up and then drags Kento to the ring apron. He attempts to bring Kento to the floor from the top turnbuckle, but Kento blocks this and hits a nasty pile driver to Yuma on the apron. These guys love a pile driver spot, too. Yuma falls to the floor and Wada starts counting for him. Kento waits in the ring and Wada is quite literally urging Yuma to get back in the ring. Kento quickly lands a blackout knee to the back of Yuma's head in the corner and then follows up with a German suplex. Yuma hits his own German and Kento runs back in but is met with a big high kick by Yuma. They exchange forearms and Yuma lands a sick uppercut. Kento collapses and Yuma spends a few moments kicking and holding his foot down on the back of Kento's head and shoulders. He then slaps Kento in the ass, which gets Kento's attention. And then Yuma gestures for Kento to get up and resume hitting him. They go back to exchange forearms and Kento lands three big shots at the end that Yuma complains to Wada about and the crowd sides with Yuma. Yuma hits one German, then a second, then a third for a two count. Yuma attempts the Rockstar Buster, but Kento manages to get Yuma up for a Brain Buster instead. Kento lands Blackout to the back of Yuma's head, and then a German for a two count. He goes for the shutdown suplex, and Yuma breaks out by targeting Kento's bad arm. That ended up working out for Yuma in the end. Yuma tries to roll Kento up off the ropes for a two count, but immediately transitions into endgame. They struggle until Kento is able to get his foot on the bottom rope. Yuma goes for the Rockstar Buster again, but Kento hits a blackout knee and then hits another massive knee to Yuma's face for a two count. Kento goes for the shutdown suplex again, but Yuma breaks out high kick to Kento, blocks Kento's incoming knee, slaps Kento in the face, and a spinning high kick brings Kento down for a two count. Yuma hits Rockstar Buster for a close two count. Yuma tries to capitalize again, but Kento lands a blackout knee and then gets Yuma up for a break heart for a two count. Kento immediately goes for the shutdown suplex and finally puts Yuma away at 24 minutes and nine seconds. 
So Kento has a whole speech to Yuma, which I'm going to read in a moment, and you'll get the full uh, context as to why Yuma reacts like this. But he does his whole speech. He holds out his hand to Yuma. Yuma throws the ice pack he was using at him and walks off (laughs) to members of the audience chanting Yuma, Yuma, Yuma. And this is where we mark the end of the first iteration of Next Stream, which is kind of crazy. It is a big, long journey, but now we're we're sort of here to the the end the first end anyway um yeah this match um it's it's really interesting that you know we're seeing more and more of Yuma's personality in these matches like with the slapping of the ass and and things like that um but Kento's still not really taking him seriously and it's it's just an um it's an interesting match in a lot of ways. Um, it actually surprised me that this was the first triple crown challenge of Yuma's that it had taken him this long, especially like when you compare it to the other two members of Next Dream. And, and there's a lot, you know, we can say about that as well. But what really got me, um, I think when I was watching this match, I uh, messaged you. I was like, man, this he was not happy. <laughs> about the end of this match like Yuma was not happy about that graduation speech um and that sort of threw me because he was the one who originally was like oh well I'm gonna leave next stream but um as we translated the information and got more context it became clear why he was so mad and it's just really fascinating it is we'll definitely talk about that in a minute because it's so important to understanding I think the crux of Yuma and Kento's relationship and what exactly causes the friction I think between them most of the time but yeah I think to your point the part where Yuma is like kind of kicking at Kento's head and then slaps him in the ass all of that is born out of frustration of not being acknowledged and that's what you get when you don't acknowledge someone and like Kento at this time too like he kind of treats Yuma like shit not dissimilar at times to how he was treating Hayato before Mm -hmm. Hayato had you know had enough of Kento, which is yeah. a whole other episode in his that's a whole next stream 2.0 episode in terms of how those relationships panned out. But yeah, not too dissimilar from how like Kento at times would just bully Hayato. And that's really what it was. It comes across as a little bit of bullying. There's an affection there, but there's also like these very clear moments of just not being fair and, and being a bit of a bully. Um and he could do that to Yuma very much as well. And Yuma always kind of comes across as the younger brother. And these two you know, we talk about about Next Stream as 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 friends and as brothers. These two come across as brothers in a very overt way at times, in the way that they treat each other and the friction between them, and the way that they talk to each other in the back and forth. So, I think you get that in um in and around a lot of this, the uh, the slap on the ass and the, those like sliding kicks to like you know Kento's head. They're they're inherently disrespectful, but it's also born out of just not being acknowledged the way that he wants to be acknowledged by Kento. And then if you contextualize the time period and then how Kento is talking about Naoya, how Kento is talking about Jake, mm-hmm. you can feel why uh, Yuma would be so frustrated with how Kento is just not regarding him. But we'll get into that in a minute. He's starting to see that he's the fourth guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very much so. So in the ring, before Yuma threw his eyes pack at him, Kento said, Yuma Aoyagi, you're graduating from next stream. Let's stand on opposite sides of the ring and make our generation of All Japan Pro Wrestling exciting. I am unquestionably the greatest champion in the history of All Japan Pro Wrestling. Kento Miyahara is the current symbol of All Japan Pro Wrestling. If any wrestler has a problem with me being the symbol, please come out. Is there anyone who can put a stop to Kento Miyahara, the symbol of 2020? And then Suwama comes out, which frankly 
looks fucking cool when you watch it. So make sure you do watch this post-match. So then backstage, Kento said, all right, what do you think of me? What does the man who made history look like right now? Oh, it was painful. V10. I felt the history of All Japan Pro Wrestling as I approached this day. The history of All Japan Pro Wrestling is more impressive than I had expected. However, for decades, All Japan Pro Wrestling has not had a brilliant ace like Kento Miyahara. That's just a fact. But now that I'm here, it's no wonder V10 is broken. There's only me, right? Right? Yuma Aoyagi, you've become a great wrestler, but you shouldn't be in next stream. You're graduating. And that's the last thing he says about Yuma. It's actually... There's very little fanfare to Yuma leaving. And that's that's all he says is that you're not supposed to be in next stream and you're graduating. And then he just kind of goes on to um to talk about Suwama and just talk about himself, which is, you know, typical of him. He's very much interested in calling himself the symbol of all Japan. And he talks about how Suwama disagrees, which, you know, there's that. So Yuma is then asked about what he was told in the ring. And Yuma says, What's this about graduation? Damn it, you're kidding me. Don't fuck with me. What is this with graduation talk? Don't act like a good, innocent girl. Just say you banished me. What is this, graduation? This isn't like an idol group where we simply graduate. That's not how this world works, asshole. Damn it. Well, that's enough for today. I lost today. Kento Miyahara, you better prepare yourself. He's so mad. He's so mad. And it's the word, the reason why he's mad, it's in the word graduation because that's not acknowledging him the way that he wants to be acknowledged at all is it no yeah we we talked about this at length kento wanted to um he had the stipulation of like if you win you can you know banish yourself you're banished but if i win i'm gonna say something to you and what he ended up saying was you've graduated And you and I have debated on whether that was an asshole move from Kento or if that was a kindness. And I think you landed on ultimately that was a kindness. That was him, you know, pushing Yuma forward and trying to um, actually, I kind of want to hear it from your own words, but you said that um, you, he wanted to force Yuma to self-actualize. Wasn't that right? Yeah, I did land on it ultimately. I mean, my read of it has been different for a long time because I didn't have the the proper translations of all this, which is why this was so great. And thank you again for how hard you work to do this, but it is a kindness. It just doesn't come packaged like a kindness because Kendo as a character is not really that warm and he can be really fucking tough sometimes with how he treats people. The act of this is ultimately a kindness because in the last match, we talked about how the comment he makes for Yuma is that if there's any doubt in Yuma's mind, that might be why I have won. Right. And we talked about how Yuma perhaps is not, he doesn't really know who he is yet. And he doesn't have his priorities set yet in terms of the type of person and champion that he wants to be with an all Japan pro wrestling, right. To be able to get to the next level. So then you have this and Yuma set the stipulation. He said, if, if I lose, I'm going to leave. So in Kento going for the word graduated, quote unquote, like they're an idol group and not just saying like, fuck you, you're gone. And Kento had just turned around and said, fuck you, you're gone. Then for Yuma, that would have felt more like acknowledging him, like he was a rival in the same way that Kento had been acknowledging Naya's strength and power, but also had already acknowledged Jake Lee as his chosen rival at this point, right? But he goes with, you've graduated, like you're just like a student. And that's so different than how he handles the other two. And I think that sits really, really fucking weird with Yuma. And he hates it. He hates the language of it. But it's it's in that language of it that Kento is inherently trying to get him to self-actualize. You need to leave next stream. You've graduated. You have to take the next steps now. 
to become who you're meant to be and to become the face of this company. That's all, that's what it boils down to. It doesn't come packaged like a kindness, but it is a kindness to force him to self-actualize. It just doesn't feel very good for Yuma because he's still not getting the acknowledgement that he wants from Kento, even after being the guy that stayed by his side, even after being the last one in next stream. And that sort of um, goes back to, you know, the one who is worthwhile to be by Kento's side is now Yuma sort of realizing like there's there's a difference there between tagging with Kento versus being Kento's, you know, quote unquote tag partner and, and equal. And I think he's beginning to realize that. And that's that becomes very important. Absolutely. And I want to just quickly call back to some photo book comments too that were translated by Kana from Fall. 2020. So these comments were made a couple of months after this match between Yuma and Kento, but I was reminded of it um, and wanted to contextualize it in the timeline of Yuma and Kento because I thought it was really, really interesting in terms of what it said about Kento's mindset. He was asked for the photo book, do you have a rival currently? And Kento said, of course, I'm weary of the guys in the same generation, but what I must do right now is to liven up all Japan Perez, which in turn will lead to my own skills leveling up. I think that's what I want to focus on most currently, all Japan Perez. And then he was asked, what do you think you must do in order to liven it up? And he says, to put it simply, become famous. It's easy to say, but not easily done. Not only in the Perez world, but I want everyone to know who I am. So it's interesting how he kind of avoids using the word rival here he's like oh, i'm weary of the guys in the same generation but really right now he's focused on himself he's focused on being a superstar and that's where i think you really start to see that shift in him as well it's even earlier than some of the comments that he's been making this year to be sure but he's also very quick within whatever uh current rivalry amongst the next stream guys that he's kind of dealing with he will dip into the language that suits them best so when it comes to jake he's talking about jake as his chosen rival then when we get into like the core of um jake's first reign he starts saying well there, there could only be one you know room for one superstar here and you get into that with them right we know how he talks about now yeah we just went through all of that and then with yuma he, he's still not really acknowledging yuma as as much of anything yet so he'll dip into that um, language between the three of them but I just thought this was so interesting that even in um, his photo book he's saying like yeah oh, yeah, I'm worried about the guys in my generation but you know uh, what I need to do right now is liven up all Japan Perez I'm focused on all Japan and then that inherently himself right so that leads into their fifth match together which comes on September 21st 2020 this is another champion carnival match um, this is a b-block match between them and it's in Korokin same gear as last match, and we are weeks ahead of next stream reforming, but right now they're just Kento and Yuma, and Jake is on commentary for this match, which is actually really lovely. They lock up and go for their rope break spot, which is very dramatic this time. Kento breaks off without slapping Yuma around. They lock up again, and Yuma is in control of the first rope break, but he hits Kento with a forearm. Kento throws Yuma to the outside and tries to follow him, but Yuma slides back in and does Kento's signature pose. Yuma plays to the crowd and directs their clapping since they can't cheer. We're in the pandemic right now, so nobody can cheer. Kento walks around the ring with a sullen expression and then suddenly slides back into the ring, but Yuma meets with a stomp and a headlock. Kento sends Yuma into the ropes, big boot. Yuma goes for a shoulder tackle for a two count and then transitions into endgame. But Kento quickly gets to the bottom rope. He doesn't want to let go and Wada has to yell at Yuma. Kento rolls to the outside and Yuma eventually joins in. He uses the barricades to choke Kento as he yells, and Wada is very disapproving of this. Wada even yells at Rising Hayato and makes him back up when he's checking on Kento, which is really funny. 
Kento gets up, sends Yuma into the barricades, and when Yuma runs back at him, he gets him into a fireman's carry and drops him on the barricades. Kento hits Yuma with a headbutt, and Wada is super mad that they won't get in the ring. Kento lands another headbutt, yells at Wada, and hits a third. He goes for a signature ring post to choke Yuma, but it's really more about pissing off Wada. Rising Hayato looks insane as Wada becomes more and more mad about this. Wada eventually breaks them up and Kento gets in one last pot shot to Yuma against the ring post before he gets back in the ring. Wada yells at Yuma to get him going again. Yuma gets up and they start exchanging forearms, but Kento trips him against the ropes and Kento lands a dropkick to Yuma's head on the apron. Kento goes for a two count that Wada is very slow to count. Kento continues his domination by hitting his basement dropkick and dropkick off the rope spot, and naturally he whips out his signature pose. They go into a forearm exchange, and Yuma lands a diving shoulder tackle off the ropes. Yuma is able to capitalize with a diving body attack for a two count. Yuma successfully baits Kento into running at him in the corner, only for Yuma to move in time, so Kento spears the ring post. Kento rolls to the outside, and Yuma drives Kento's arm into the barricade, so again, trying to go for that arm so that he can hopefully break out of the shutdown suplex. They get onto the ring apron and struggle, but Kento pile drives Yuma into the apron, and they both fall to the floor. Kento gets back in the ring, and Wada starts to count, but Yuma gets back in. Kento lands a blackout knee to the back of Yuma's head, but Yuma manages to get Kento back for a massive German. They stand and start exchanging forearms, but Yuma lands a high kick and then sends Kento back for three Germans and a two count. Yuma gets another big kick in and gets on the turnbuckle, but Kento follows him, grabs him from behind, and brings him back for a German, which always looks really fucking cool when they start to do that in the series. Kento goes for the shutdown suplex, but Yuma gets out, blocks Kento's knee, and smashes him with a forearm and brings Kento down with a spinning high kick for a two count. Wasting no time, Yuma locks an endgame, and there's a long struggle before Kento is finally able to get a leg on the bottom rope. Kento gets up and attempts what looks like a knee, but Yuma scouts him and tries to roll him up for a two count. Kento lands a blackout knee. Yuma hits a high kick, and Kento sends them both to the mat with a kick of his own. He stands first and tries for the shutdown suplex again, which he gets, and he pins Yuma at 22 minutes and 14 seconds. Kento helps Yuma stand. He's gesturing to Yuma so the crowd will clap for him, and then Yuma pulls an All Japan joke on him, a little German attempt. Um, Yuma holds out his hand and Kento hesitates, but then gives him a weird little handshake. <laughs> um, so yeah, a lot of PTSD from, from Kento here. This match is interesting because it is the most, I think, purely feel good of all of their matches. And I think you can only understand that in remembering this is a pandemic match. And I think people, people needed them. People needed them in this type of match between them. It really is such an, a weird outlier to their series in that way. And especially because they weren't, they were not in next stream. They were not reformed, but we got this very, I think, at points, feel good match and dynamics together. There's a lot of comedy and levity to this one because, of course, Wada's involved. But like, which with the way that they're all behaving in it, it's not it's not what you'd expect coming off of the last match and with their comments the last time they met with each other because of the whole graduated thing. It's not what you'd expect, but so much of that is based around. I think people needing them and and the type of levity they bring together where we were in the pandemic. Yeah. I think that's like perfectly said. That's really what I was going to note as well. I was, I just sort of was thinking, I was like, this is very much a fan service match. Like it's very um, lighthearted. You have a lot of the um, Wada comedy and, and they're, um, you know, you can feel, and I think um, it really comes down to what you were saying of them as brothers. You could feel that brotherly like bond going on in this match. And, and it's like you said, it's, it feels very fan servicey, just not in a bad way, which I, I like this match. It's not my least favorite by far. I like it, but yeah. No, like, we're we're gonna get to the least favorite one, but this yeah, is actually pretty good. I think it's both of our least favorites. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. 
So um, some aftermath details, next stream reform on October 5th, at least that's the date that um, that I consider it. And I think that others consider to be the date that they reform. Um, Kento loses to Zeus in the champion carnival finals that year. Yuma gets in the ring to assist Kento and then helps him walk out of Korokin and they, they just walk out together. So from there, um, that's where they begin tagging together um, once again. Rising Hayato and Atsuki Aoyagi joined next stream after they had a singles match on January 10th, 2021 that went to a double knockout. They are asked to join after, and that's where we mark the beginning of next stream 2.0. So their sixth singles match is in the next stream 2.0 era. It's also another goddamn champion carnival match. That's why all their matches are so long because they're champion carnival <laughs> matches. But this one happens on April 29th, um, 2021, once again in Shinkiba. This is a pandemic empty venue match. Kento is in the half red, half gold gear um, with the feathers, and Yuma is wearing the same gear as his last matches. Even in an empty venue, though, the All Japan personnel are loudly cheering for Kento, but you get the sense as time goes on in the match that everyone is is playing a, a role in terms of how they're cheering for people, which is incredible. It is so unique to All Japan. I don't want to go back to that time period ever again, but just like hearing <laughs> though the, the cheering of the all Japan personnel and wrestlers in the, in the empty um, Shinkaba and remembering just how hard these guys worked to do that for those matches. That was something else. That's like a very special all Japan thing. Yeah. I think um, as far as empty arena shows uh, during this time period, all Japan had my favorites because they had the personnel in there and, and sort of that, like, like you said, they were handed a card on who they were supposed to cheer for and, and really like, you know, went at it. And, um, and they were just so loud and you could really feel like that sort of family vibe of what, you know, made all Japan tick. And, and it really was heartening. And this match is actually very, much one of those like deep pandemic I'm sort of losing hope and then this match happened and and I really liked it it's very special to me even to this day and even being an empty arena match so yeah yeah I feel the same way I think um more than the other promotions all Japan was the promotion that gave me the most kind of hope and like the most um uh like re- like regularity in my schedule like there was something mm-hmm. about anticipating these shows that felt a little different like yeah, they were they were the unsung heroes, I think, for, for I think a lot of us in the pandemic. But at any rate, similar start as some of the others with the lockups um, into the rope breaks. They do the feint to the outside, but instead of Yuma hitting Kento's pose, he just drop kicks him immediately off the apron. Yuma torments Kento on the outside to the flashing bulbs of the press that are there. I forgot that Kento does the headbutts and gets Yuma against the ring post for the choking spot, but Wada is in the way, so he gets Wada's leg in between the post two. Wada hates this. Kento makes it a point to target Yuma's neck and head between the headbutts, a neck crank, elbow strikes. He's doing all this work to target that neck and head of Yuma. He's extremely aggressive with Yuma and yells in his face a bit. A real change in tone and pace between this match and the September 2020 match. On the ring apron, Kento can't get Yuma up for the pile driver, but Yuma does go for endgame there. Kento hits an avalanche brain buster in this, which looks really fucking cool. Which I'm going to say this now, because I think it's going to come up um, as we get towards the end of the series too. I talked earlier about how Naoya and Kento have a formula. Um, Kento and Jake have a formula. With Yuma and Kento, there's a formula, but there's also an anti-formula. Because these guys change up 
everything, almost every single match. There's certain things that they will call to almost every time, of course, like the others, but they do so much to not do the same stuff in every match. They they add things all the time. They change the progression all the time. It comes across to me more than the other two, like an anti-formula, whereas I think that there's more notes um, in Jake and Kento and then in Naoya and Kento that are more, um, you know, quote unquote formulaic that, that really go from like A to A to E. You don't get the same feeling, I think, in Yuma and Kento series because they change so much all the time. Yuma escapes a shutdown suplex attempt and they exchange Germans like in their previous matches. There's a crazy forearm exchange in this one that Yuma ends with a nasty uppercut. Kento falls to the mat and then Yuma gets into full mount and starts raining forearms down on Kento. Kento and him wind up exchanging forms like that, but Yuma just beats him down. This is incredibly effective looking. Kento makes a comeback with a brain buster and he hulks himself up. Yuma catches his knee, huge elbow, spinning high kick, two count. Kento catches Yuma with a knee to the face and we see for the first time in the Kento Yuma single series, Yuma fake being totally out cold. Kento tries to drag him up from the mat and can't, so he forces Wada to check on him and count. Kento pushes Wada away and tries to pick Yuma up again, but he still can't get him up. Kento looks so impatient. He manages to get Yuma up, tries for the shutdown suplex, but Yuma stops pretending to be out and catches Kento in endgame while laughing. And this looks really great. It's actually something that, that Yuma has taken out of Kento's former playbook from when he was a lot younger in all Japan, um, but Yuma does it really effectively and really well. Kento wins this one by shutdown suplex at 26 minutes and 59 seconds. Um, Kento helps Yuma up and raises his hand. Um, they shake hands. And then a confused Atsuki and Hayato raise hands with Kento and Yuma. I don't know what yeah. happened there. I think they <laughs> misunderstood what Kento wanted them to do. And then Yuma crawls out of the ring and up the ramp and Kento delivers a go-home promo to everyone um, watching from home because there was nobody in Shinkaba. <laughs> so yeah, so that was something else that ended yeah, that yeah, that ending was. I didn't quite understand next stream. Like, like I said, when I first watched this match, I was very, very new to the promotion, and um, I felt so. There were a lot of like, I guess, rumors at this time of like, oh, you know, Yuma's going to turn on Kento again, and there's going to be like this big split in next stream. So I was watching that with like some of those Twitter comments in mind. Um, and then I came to you with them and you're like, no, that's not what's happening. But, um, but when I, when I first watched this, I was like, okay, so, you know, like Yuma has some of this aggression, like with that forearm exchange. Um, but I, I still think that kind of holds up as there is an aggression there and in a want to be um, acknowledged that you can still see in this match, even if we're not leading to a big, you know, split angle. <laughs> Right. And it's funny when we, when I was watching the match and reflecting on some of the stuff too, I was like, you know, people really did think that like Yuma at any, and like it ran like, so there were there were points where I got worried too. We're not at the point where I was worried yet. People really have always talked about Yuma from the point in which he left and then came back. He was going to break up next stream again. Um, very much in the same way that people continuously talked about Katsuhiko being the one that was going to break up Congo and um that's funny but what a, what a i knew exactly parallel. where you were going when you started yeah. that because like it's the same conversation yeah. it's the same conversation <laughs> stupid conversation anyway so um r- regardless uh yeah there's some interesting stuff to your point about like the aggression from yuma and like but i was really stunned by that because I, I guess i forgot about him getting into full mount um because it's not the first time this, this is actually it's the first time he does it he does it again um I was stunned by that because I was like, wow, that's really aggressive. And then I was trying to 
I guess, contextualize that aggression because usually you don't see something like that unless like there is a real rift or like real anger in a relationship. And frankly, something like it's, and I don't think it's Jake's style. I don't think he would have ever done this. I think he takes that type of stuff too seriously to do it. I would have loved though to have seen him do that with Kento because I think that that anger in the Total Eclipse era would have made so much sense, right? But I think that visual of Jake in full mount raining forearms down on Kento would have been really effective. So it did surprise me to see it here, but I think to your point, it's about acknowledgement. And I think it's about trying to trying to figure out a way to just get past this guy. And like, why can't I figure out a way to get past this guy? It's just interesting. And I think it goes back to that thing about about brothers too. You can you can love someone and respect someone and be in community with someone and still be really fucking pissed that you can't get past that person, you know? So I think that's kind of what that is at the end of the day. So in the post-matches, Kento said, okay, 10 points today, 10 points, 10 points for five wins. In 2021, Kento Miyahara will make a great comeback. If I don't make a great comeback at this champion carnival, there are people waiting for me. There are fans all over Japan who can't hear my voice. In order for my voice to reach them, I need to win the championship. May 3rd, the finale. No matter what happens, if I don't win, there's no point for me to be here now. If I don't win, I can't show my fans what's next. May 3rd for sure. Jake Lee, that's great. I admit it. I once described you as my rival, but to be honest, in my mind, you weren't good enough. I thought I had to nurture my rivals because no one was good enough for me, but things are different now. The current All Japan Pro Wrestling is different. Even without me, time is steadily moving forward. Even if I am not in the main event, the show is still going on. When I saw that, I had a feeling that I haven't had in years. I can't be left out. I will express it on May 3rd. Jake Lee, as a wrestler from the same era, I know that the fans are expecting something more from us. Keep your eyes peeled. And then Kento was asked, was this not the most competitive and intense fight with Aoyagi that you've ever had? And Kento said, he and Yuma Aoyagi both know that I am not going to say anything more, right? They're main eventers now. The speed is amazing. What's with the fast flow of All Japan Pro Wrestling? If I don't keep up, I'll be left behind. That's how desperate I am. I hope you can see that desperation May 3rd. And then Yuma's comments were hopeless. It was a complete defeat. As expected of our leader, Kento Miyahara. I was wondering if I could really do it today, actually. It was no good after all. You're indeed the captain. You said as much before the opening ceremony. He said that he was going to abandon his ace title and win this champion carnival. But I thought, ace isn't something you call yourself and it's not something you can throw away. I thought as much when I stood before him as my opponent today. I felt firsthand that he is definitely an ace of all Japan pro wrestling. I was completely defeated. But May 3rd, the next match is the last. How are we doing in terms of points? Maybe there will be some kind of weird accident and Yuma Aoyagi will win. No, why is it Kohei Sato at the finish line? I'm heartbroken. I hate this. I'll do my best for the last time. Oh, poor Yuma. Yeah, the delivery of that was really funny. I encourage you guys to look it up um, <laughs> after this because he was he was just in shambles over Kohei Sato. Um, yeah, the, this is great. I thought um, Mihara's was just fascinating here. Um, just feeling the tide closing in and, and just feeling them at his heels more and more and more and more, which just goes back to what we were saying pretty much all episode is that he's you know, feeling this, this wind, this new wind, as it were, um, that next dream was always meant to be. And it's now um, beginning to, to blow at him. And he's, he's really beginning to like, oh, no, if I don't hunker down, I'm going to get blown away. Um, And that's just a really cool thing to see in these comments. And um, he doesn't, 
quite direct that to Yuma. This, he's very focused on Jake Lee in this, which, you know, again, we've, we've talked about, you know, him and Jake extensively in our episode. Please go listen to that if you haven't already. Um, but Yuma is in there, especially when they interviewer is like, come on, let's talk about Yuma. Like, was this not the most competitive, intense fight that you've had? Um, and he's sort of just like, you know what? You know, I, I can't say anything about them anymore. They need to go do their own thing, which is just a recurring thing with Kento Miyahara. So I thought that was just really fantastic comments all, all together. Yeah, they're pretty amazing because what I, I love about the Jake comments in particular, you're seeing the theme of forcing people to self-actualize, aren't you, in those comments, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. When he says that he once described you as my rival, but to be honest, my mind, you weren't good enough. You would never get those the sense of that from the comments he's made about Jake over the years, right? It's only when he breaks the comments down here and he says, you know, in my mind, you actually weren't good enough, but I thought I had to nurture my rivals because no one was good enough for me. That's him forcing people to self-actualize because if he puts the title of, of you are my rival, Jake, onto Jake, that's going to make Jake work harder to deserve the title that's been put on him. It's kind of actually a very clever mind trick to use with someone like Jake, um, which is really fascinating. Um, So that's why that works so well for Jake. And then I love when he, um, when they ask him, like, was that the most competitive and intense fight you've ever had with Yuma? He's like, Jake and Yuma both know I'm not going to say anything anymore to prop them up and tell them how great they are, right? Um, He's like, they're main eventers now. Their speed is great. I have to make sure that I'm keeping up. And again, he's like pushing the focus back onto him because he doesn't want to give them any more praise um, because he doesn't need to anymore. Like he's, he's done with that. So we're actually seeing a cycle continue um, in how he's acting today with the current crop of um, all Japan folks, which is really fascinating, but we'll get there. This leads into match seven, which is, um, in my opinion, the worst Kento and, and Yuma match yet. Um, this was their, another another champion carnival match, inexplicably, but this was April 29th, 2022. Um, this is at Nagoya International Conference Hall. And this was their time limit draw of 30 minutes. They went the, the full 30 for the first time um, together. To give you some context, on April 24th, Yuma and Atsuki defeated Kento in Rising Hayato in an excellent tag match. And that kind of set up some of the drama going into this um, champion carnival match. And uh, Yuma is in a very similar style of shorts. I can't actually remember if there had been a significant change yet. If there had been, it would have been very marginal. Uh, But Kento was in the red and gray gear, which was also, I think, very underrated gear for him. Very much a longer feeling out process to the start of this match. Uh, A back and forth trading of holds before the first rope break. And Yuma does land a big uppercut which Kento sells like he's been shot. Kento misses a dropkick on the apron and Yuma sends him outside with a dropkick. So we get right back into their usual flavor, but the long holds continue from there. And there's quite a bit of outside brawling to take up a lot of time in this. It's a very unusual match. Um, This match suffered in the first half because again, they were just, they were just going long and it just didn't work in a lot of ways. Um, Like I said, this is just my least favorite for a lot of, I think the reason of pacing and how they set some of this up. I think myself and others were probably expecting something different because of how good the next stream tag match was only like a couple days before. Um, but this match had been the longest they'd ever gone to that point. And I felt like, oh, I don't think they had figured out the formula quite yet for a 30 minute match between them. Does it maybe speak to their anti-formula? Perhaps. Mm-hmm. I think perhaps. 
Um, you do get all the hits in this one, though. Headbutt spots, triple Germans, all the standards are present. But one thing that is new by this time is that Yuma has added another finisher called the Fool, which is just the Rockstar Buster with a rotating twist. He debuted the Fool against Suwama at that year's Champion Carnival just a few shows earlier. So you see it here with Kento, too. Um, a lot more motherfuckers um, from Kento in this match than the previous ones with Yuma. Yuma ends the match landing either the Rockstar Buster or the Fool. Sometimes I actually can't tell, um, depending on the camera angle, if there was a twist. But then the bell rings and 30 minutes is up. Um, so you're left with the feeling that Yuma was perhaps seconds away from the win, but the time just ran out. And that's intentional because the match is all about Yuma's momentum in the carnival and Yuma feeling that much closer to finally defeating Kento. Yeah, on paper, this match is, like, really well booked. Like, yeah, the next step would be a 30-minute draw where Yuma is just seconds away from winning. Like, that's what you would want. But um, like like you said, it just comes down to the pacing. They didn't quite figure out um, what they wanted. And, and to that end, I think um, there's an argument to be made for why this, you know, formulaic um, way of constructing matches with somebody works in that way because then when you're presented with a you know we got to go 30 minutes you kind of know where you're where you're going and what you're doing um, whereas you know these two don't really have that so um, we sort of are left with them trying to eat up a lot of time in the beginning but you know it's not like the worst match I've ever seen it's just you know the worst match I've had of, of these guys and, and these guys have very good matches normally so um, yeah, that's on paper. It makes perfect sense. So that's really all I can ask for there. Exactly. So in the aftermath of all of this, um, Yuma makes it to the finals of Champion Carnival to meet Jake Lee on May 4th in Cork and Hall. Yuma defeated him to win his first Champion Carnival and become the youngest winner of that tournament at 26 years old, the record previously being held by Jumbo Saruta. That was his second win over Jake. His first win over Jake was in the 2021 Champion Carnival. Prior to 2021, Jake had defeated him in four singles matches between 2016 and 2018. So the post-match from that, Yuma says, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. There's a possibility of heavy snow tomorrow all over Japan. Naturally, since I, Yuma Aoyagi, have made it to the finals, the weather is going to be very rough. <laughs> Everyone who is looking forward to Golden Week will not be able to go out. With some regret, I was able to draw Kento Miyahara to advance to the finals. Standing opposite of me is Jake Lee. I was doing my best to win, but winning was really secondary to doing my best. I can't wait to see his frustrated face when I stop him. And I will see his ugly face at Cork and Hall on May 4th, much to the chagrin of Jake Lee fans. On May 4th, the era of Yuma Aoyagi will herald in the spring. And then Jake had some really interesting comments here too, which we want to read as well. He says he made it to the finals on a draw. Well, if you look at the point situation, it's obvious that he would advance, but he needs to make a decision. Make up your mind and rise up. He's missing that one last step that keeps him from really getting there. Talking about making my face ugly took precedence over winning or losing. Well, no matter how hard you try, I will never be ugly. Sorry to tell you. While my goal remains the same, win the champion carnival with an audience this time, win the triple crown in my hometown of Sapporo, and then continue my story from there. This touches on what we've been saying about Yuma missing something. He's missing the self-actualizing piece that's going to get him to the next level. And Jake really does touch on it here and seems to get kind of annoyed. Like, I don't think he's really annoyed, but like, it's like that kind of, you know, you spent your, your post-match talking about my face when you could have been talking about winning the match against me. Um, 
So that's really interesting. And I thought that was such a great way for Jake's comments to mirror um, Kento's comments that we've read in the past about there needing to be a moment of self-actualizing for Yuma where he decides he is ready to go to the next level. Yeah, that's exactly it. As he sums it all up, it's it's actually startling how like loud they are about Yuma. Um, and, and in that way, they're all really just trying to push him to self-actualize, like Kento and Jake both. It's just really interesting to see. We have another Kenji Meow piece from Shupro number 2183. This is from June 1st, 2022. This article is from when Yuma won at Champion Carnival, and it's a lot of Kento in the beginning reflecting on a lot of that. And we just thought that there was a lot of interesting commentary in here from Meow. So this spring's Champion Carnival, Kento Miyahara was watching from the commentary seat with an ins- with an indescribably complex feeling as he watched the big match that would decide the winner. He has been participating in the final of the carnival since 2018. He was not there in a scene where he was supposed to be. But when he saw the championship game being held, he thought to himself, quote, ah, the next one has arrived. No matter how much you scream that you are the best in the ring, if you don't have someone to compete with so you can be the best by defeating them with all your might, your words will have no power. In that sense, I'm glad that the next one has arrived. Unless there is a new power emerging that can compete with him, Miyahara himself will have no chance to improve. He is not going to be able to go far alone in the absence of rivals. So Jake Lee's leap last year was very welcome, followed this year by Yuma Aoyagi. Miyahara, Jake, and Aoyagi are all in the same lineup. Kendo says, quote, I felt that all Japan pro wrestling has come to the next stage. We have entered an era of survival where individual wrestlers must assert themselves in order to survive. That is why I am desperate to survive and I will defend this belt desperately and I cannot lose. This may not be the best to feel this way since his opponent is trying to take away his triple crown belt, but Miyahara was still a bit impressed with Aoyagi's entrance as he watched him head to the ring for the champion carnival final. Quote, wow, what a dignified entrance. He served as Aoyagi's opponent in his debut match, and after forming Next Dream, they became partners. He had been fighting alongside Aoyagi for a long time and was impressed that he really made it this far. In February of the previous year, he challenged Miyahara for the Triple Crown Heavyweight title for the first time, a chance that he seized in a manner that was described as duplicitous. It was a good thing that duplicity has become his personality, but he still felt that he was not ready for the Triple Crown. Quote, I still can't beat him. But this time he stood before Miyahara with his chest out. It was not insidious or shady, but instead a challenge where he took the high road with a badge of honor that not even the best of the best has ever held, being the youngest champion carnival winner. Yuma said, quote, Since I broke the record for the youngest person to win the carnival, I would also like to break the record for the youngest person to win the Triple Crown. I think All Japan Pro Wrestling is changing now, and even if it's just on the surface, it's my job to win this belt. I want to show you how much All Japan Pro Wrestling has changed. As was the case with Jake, the world is always searching for new things. When it comes to looking forward to new scenery scenery in all Japan, I want to see the unimaginable world that Aoyagi creates rather than the best world that I've seen for a long time. Kento says, quote, I was once like that. The current Aoyagi feels a lot like when I was fighting against Akiyama and Suwama. It's similar to pulling away from your seniors, isn't it? With Aoyagi's fierce offense, Miyahara all at once knew how his seniors felt when he was fighting against them, and in that moment he knew he couldn't afford to lose. Aoyagi was so close to winning the Triple Crown, but Miyahara's hand was firmly sealed in the best shutdown he could muster. The emergence of a new force made Miyahara stronger again. The true best view is yet to come. Yeah, so uh, this was a combination of a lot of different things, um, talking about the champion carnival win and talking about their triple crown title match, which was to come, but the overall um, sort of 
point of this and and meow just speaks to it so beautifully is the whole story that's going on um here with kento and with yuma and with jake as well um and this feeling of needing to build your rival it just comes back to jinsei's words that you know kento can't live in this best world forever we have to have a new era we have to have those rivals and and meow just really speaks to that beautifully and talks about how Aoyagi really you know he needs to step up he needs to self-actualize and he's getting there little by little by little and and this upcoming match that we're about to talk about is another really big step in that direction absolutely and there was something in here that really blew my mind a quote from Kendo. And I've talked to you about this before. I've talked to you about this a couple of times where I felt that as time will go on, Kendo will become the person that he once fought so hard against and that he will become Suwama, right? Um, and the people beneath him will be much like how he in Next Stream were. And he touches on that in this. I was once like that. The current Aoyagi feels a lot like when I was fighting against Akiyama and Suwama, it's similar to pulling away from your seniors, isn't it? He's seeing that sense in Yuma here. That to me was really fascinating because I, I felt like that was the direction that eventually, inevitably, he will have to go. But he is already thinking about that here with Yuma, let alone what he must feel like now, looking at like this current crop of guys, like staring him down for like, you know, the next generational change. So I thought that was utterly fascinating because I think that there's almost no way to avoid that in pro wrestling like you will eventually become the people that you fought so hard against and that's um there's something so incredible and like amazing to that but also something so tragic to that at the same time too (laughs) I've been thinking about that a lot especially with like Okada and his his current storyline going on with Kaito Kiyomiya that he's sort of becoming the Tanahashi that you know he once rallied against and and Kaito he's looking at Kaito and realizing like oh (laughs) you know, like, oh, that's, that was me. And, um, and now we're, you know, seeing that, and this is spoken to so beautifully with Kento also beginning to feel that he is becoming the, the Tanahashi because he's definitely not becoming the Suwama. So <laughs> well, I, don't know about that. I mean, like, he's not no. necessarily in temperament and, um and character, but he would like to become Tanahashi in the sense that that's the career that he would want. He wants to wrestle f- yeah. forever and hopefully keep his teeth, but um. <laughs> He wants to wrestle forever and he wants to have a career like Tanahashi in that way for sure. But he makes the comparisons to Akiyama and Suwama because of his own oh, experiences yeah. in all Japan. You know, he really roots that experience in all Japan. But yeah, absolutely. So there's there's a lot in this one too. I, I love this one from Meow. There's um only only the uh the hits from Meow in, in this crop of uh Oh yeah. <laughs> he he loves that stream. He loves it so much. <laughs> you can tell. He does. For the record, Kento just uploaded a photo with Kenji Meow within the last week of when this is going to get uploaded. So just go check his Twitter and you can find a picture of him. He's really sweet. This leads us into their eighth match together. Match eight is on May 15th, 2022. Triple crown title match between Kento and Yuma because of Yuma winning um, Champion Carnival. This is in Hotel Amicia Sapporo in Sapporo, Hokkaido. Kento is in the red and black gear with the red and gold coat and Yuma overhauls his costume and gets a new glittery vest, which I think people really loved in 2022. And he gets new shorts still in his blue, gold, black color scheme. 
Um, we're back to chaotic lockups to start off. They also have that sort of tit for tat training of quick holds after the first rope break that we've talked about with Mario Ken and also Jake and Kento. And that always comes across to me like they're just setting the stage for see, look how well we have each other scouted now. Um, or for Kento in this position, it should come across as wow, I can no longer quickly gain control with Yuma. In earlier matches, it felt like Kento wasn't taking him as seriously, and we've reached the point where Kento can no longer afford to. On the outside, Yuma chooses to target Kento's right leg with big strikes, and even when they get back in the ring, Yuma continues to target this leg with kicks. We see a lot of their preferred spots, everything that makes a big match for them. Yuma lands double diving body attacks to a two count that he turns into an endgame attempt. Kento gets his drop kick spots in, the shutdown suplex attempts. Virtually all of his big spots get in. They get their pile driver on the apron spot in as well, but Yuma wins that one. Kento also has a great powerbomb to Yuma off the ropes, and Yuma breaks out some dragons screws the pacing of this one is killer and it makes sitting through the draw super worth it yuma having just had that outstanding final with jake is making so much of the difference in this this is yuma rapidly showing everyone who he has become and that he's going to be a face of this company these two share some pretty stunning forearm uppercut exchanges that Yuma gets the better of, and Yuma even gives Kento his own headbutts that put him in full mount again, raining forearms on a stunned and dazed Kento. And like I noted before, this would not have been Jake's style, but this was the level of anger I was wishing for during the Total Eclipse period. Also, as an aside, Kento levels Yuma with a surprise devastating headbutt, and in selling the headbutt, Kento goes off into one corner. Yuma is off in the other, and Hayato rushes to check on Kento, but Kento has his very funny hand motion for telling Hayato to go back to the other side of the ring where Atsuki is. I don't understand what the vision was there, but he like has this very specific vision for like what he wants even I think the two boys to be doing when they're running around the ring and that was just a very interesting kind of thing to catch. Hayato always looks confused. <laughs> But Yuma selling the headbutt becomes important because Yuma cannot get up. Kento tries to lift him, and Wada and the two young lads are checking on him. He tries to get up and falls hard to the mat again. Kento keeps trying to get involved, but Wada wants him to go away. Yuma gets up just enough that Kento runs back in to try to pick him up, and we realize that Yuma is faking again, and he traps Kento in endgame laughing and yelling at Wada. <laughs> Yuma tries to roll Kento up three different ways, and commentary is beside themselves during those attempts. Kento is slow to get up after a count and lets Wada count almost to five before he gets up. Yuma runs at him and Kento catches him with a blackout knee. So his own variation, I think, of lying in wait for Yuma, um, which would make sense because, again, Yuma borrowed the whole fainting thing from Kento to begin with. Kento calls Yuma a motherfucker, but Yuma follows up with the triple Germans. The spin <laughs> kicks are lethal in this match, and they kind of are Kento's fatal flaw from the moment that Yuma starts introducing them to his arsenal. Kento sells them like they are um, pretty dangerous and pretty deadly to him, especially as we get into the later matches between them. Kento has to fight for the shutdown suplex. It finally puts Yuma away at 32 minutes and 43 seconds. Just an excellent, well-paced match. And they somehow figured out how to fix the problems in their previous 30-minute match in relatively no time at all. It almost makes the draw and how they did it make no sense because of how quickly they turned around and delivered this, um, which is a phenomenal match. Afterward, they stare at each other as they lay on the mat, and Kento stands up and gets in Yuma's face, holding the triple crown belt up in the air. Yuma holds his hand out for the handshake, and Kento refuses him. Kento tries to go chest to chest with him, but then Yuma all Japan jokes him, and Kento just looks like over it. You can just see the trauma um, on his face. <laughs> PTSD. The PTSD. Poor Kento. 
In the post-match, Kento says, all right, V3 achieved. Leading up to this day, I had a strong sense of responsibility that I didn't really care about the number. The story of Yuma Aoyagi and Kento Miyahara will surely come to an end someday. It's a happy but strange feeling. However, we are living in a time of survival. The current All Japan Pro Wrestling is not so naive as to get caught up in the afterglow of the match. My eyes are already on the next stage. Yuma Aoyagi, whether or not you will partner with me in the future depends entirely on you. Whether you move on or not is also up to you. With this belt in my hand, I'm going to stand firm in the center of all Japan pro wrestling. And then he makes an appeal to T-Hawk, who is going to be his um, challenger not long after that. Yuma says, what'd you think? No good, right? Damn it. I still can't beat him. I don't think I'll be able to for a while. However, I think today was a good stepping stone. It was a stepping stone towards the new All Japan Pro Wrestling, towards change here in All Japan Pro Wrestling. But I'm going to be the one who will change it. I can't say anything too grand after losing today, but I'm going to take the lead and change the current All Japan Pro Wrestling. To the young guys out there, follow me, a fellow youngster. And Jake, you still haven't responded to my love call. I'm waiting with bated breath. And you, Nomura-san, who recently won a championship in a basement, I think you're necessary to the change in all Japan that I seek. You have found your own place to shine and are shining there. That's great. I even respect it. But please come back above ground instead of beneath it. I'll even go down to the basement if that's what it takes. I'll be waiting for you, Nomura-san. Jake. Man, you Yagi. This is such a big like character moment for him becoming this sort of leader to all Japan he's creating a goal um and this vision for this new era and and Kento's you know he's sensing it he knows that it's going to happen and it's how it's going to happen is up to Yuma it's up to him to make that step and Aoyagi's straight up saying like this is a stepping stone this is you know what I need little by little by little and it's it's just really remarkable and and the match itself is phenomenal so yeah it's it's just really cool to see everything sort of slotting into place as Yuma Aoyagi does in fact self-actualize as Kento has been pushing him towards little by little and that it's finally happening and and so you don't really get like that same threat that Kento maybe felt with Nomura but you know he's technically Yuma Aoyagi is still a threat to him he's a threat to his era but there's that sense of need that they both kind of feel it's just really fascinating it's so fascinating because I think I think Kento's comments inherently imply that there is some sort of comfortability in their their situation right they could go on working together they could go on doing the next stream thing to be sure and, and comfortably at that but whether or not that happens is purely up to Yuma and if Yuma wants to actually self-actualize and be a leader in the face of this company in a way that he should be right and like Kento pushes all of that onto him like it is, it is up to Yuma if he is going to stay here with me or if he's going to go and, and, and do his own thing for him to say it so plainly I really, really appreciate it. But in Yuma's comments, um, what I really loved as well is that he brings up Jake and Naoya um, on the back of saying like, look, I didn't get it today, but I think I'm pushing towards the new era of all Japan pro wrestling that we all want, right? So he, he sets it up for himself. Like I'm going to be the one. And that's what Jake was saying, right? In the last comments, like he's not even talking about what he wants to do next. He's not talking about wins or losses, but Yuma does it here. He's like, look, I lost, but I'm still going to be the face of the change in all Japan pro wrestling. I'm going to be the one to do it. And you guys need to follow me. All the youngsters, quote unquote, you follow me. And it's such a beautiful moment for him. It shows the change in him. But then the thing that I think is really important that I've mentioned on our review of the All Together Again show when we were talking with Desworry, 
this is the thing that I think is really important about Yuma. Because if we think back to the comments that were made when he joined Next Stream, it was very individualistic from all of them. And now he has to make a lot of sense, right? Now he is very in- independent, hyper independent compared to the others, right? He knew that he was always going to fight and claw to get to Kento and defeat Kento. And he knew it. And he set that as a goal. And you can get the sense of that all the way through their series together. With Yuma, he started out the same way. I'm gonna be the I'm gonna be the best. I want this to be all about me, blah, blah, blah. He does talk about wanting to be the person that gets to have the, the seat beside Kento and all of that. Like it's a very hyper-independent thing, um, in addition to wanting to be the person besides Kento. But by the time we get here to these comments, it's so important to him to bring Jake and Naoya back into his vision for all Japan. It's not just about him. Kento can make everything about him, but with Yuma, he makes everything about all of them, right? Like the group of them and being a part of this new change for and this new era, this new generation, right? For all Japan and all Japan's future. So I love him, you know, using this to be like Jake. And I'll talk in a minute about his, you know, his love call to Jake. You have to answer me, Jake, because either you're working with me or you're not working with me, but I need an answer. And then, of course, he's calling Naoya out from the capture basement, (laughs) from the dungeon, so to speak, of I need you back here, too. I need you back with me. And if I have to go all the way back down to capture to pull you out of the basement, then I'll have then I'll do it as long as it means that you're up here with me and working for the better of all Japan. And it's like you said, it's a beautiful character moment. It speaks to this unique facet of Yuma's relationship and that he is a uniter. And he becomes a uniter. And he is the only person of this group of the Next Year 1.0 guys that can inspire this type of change that can bring these guys back. He's the only one that can call Naya back. He's the only one that can bring Jake back from this weird place with, you know, Total Eclipse coming to a very muddy end. He's the only one that can bring Jake out of that and pull him back into partnership with him. And it's such a special aspect of of the type of of leader that Yuma is and the type of wrestler that Yuma is that he inspires he he unites and we see him do that moving forward with the main army and such as well so we discussed earlier that Naya gets all riled up from the basement comments and returns to all Japan as an outsider ready to rip through his former faction mates and the roster on June 6th we talked about this on Requiem for Totally Eclipse with Captain Lou, but post-Champion Carnival, some of the storytelling became super loose, and Total Eclipse wound up dying a slow death. They officially disbanded on September 18th of that year, but on May 25th in Hodogaya Public Hall, Jake had a singles match against Voodoo Murdery Suwama that quickly went to a DQ, and Yuma came out from the back to make the save. Jake stumbles to the back in the most dramatic way possible and then was incredibly coy about whether or not he was really working with Yuma for a minute at one point just saying that he owed Yuma one more or less at any rate they became a tag team by June 6th their first match was against next stream Kendo and Atsuki and Shinuri 21 Hall which they won I was not able to find an exact date for this but Captain Lou reminded me that Yuma leaving next stream was announced via tweet and that was pretty much all that got because again We're going to chalk that up to just weird wishy-washy period of storytelling from, you know, those months. But Atsuki had a singles match against Rising Hayato on June 19th at Oda City General Gymnasium at Champions Night 4. He defeated Hayato and the energy had changed between them entirely. Atsuki does not go to help his faction mate and tag partner up from the mat uh, post-match and he walks to the back alone. Yuma had a match against Shuji Kondo on that card that disappointed a great many of us, but what did not disappoint was Yuma getting voodoo murdered afterward and Asuki coming out to make the save for his older brother. And with that, Asuki had left Nextream to join Yuma and Jake and Nextream was down to Kento and Hayato. 
Jake and Yuma formed the main army together with Atsuki, Shuji Ishikawa, and Hokuto Amori, who needed a place to go with Total Eclipse ending as well. Jake and Yuma participated in Real World Tag League together starting in November 2022. We did not get to see them to their full potential because of Jake announcing his departure from All Japan in December 2022. So that leads us to a Tospo article from January 31st, 2023. This is Satoshi Maeda interviewing Kento. This is the Maeda that gets bothered by um, Naito Tetsuya a lot. So if you remember the name, that's where it's from, probably. He asks Kento, what kind of year will this be based on the last? And Kento says, I intend to be the best of the best. Until now, I've been thinking that I should create rivals for the sake of the company, even if it was by force. But I've decided that I don't want to do that anymore. Only those who can keep up should follow. My way of thinking has changed. Maeda said, you were trying to elevate your opponents, but now you're going to stop doing that. And Kento said, yes, to be honest, I think that was just self-satisfaction on my end. Firstly, I don't think I'm at that level yet. Instead, I realized that there were things I should be doing for myself. That's why I stopped thinking lukewarmly about leading the others and so on. Maya asked what triggered this. Kento says, the Distinguished Service Award. After winning the award, I looked back on it objectively. That's when I started thinking, screw it. If this isn't working, I'll shove him, and he means his opponent, down instead. Even outside the ring, I was saying things to lift up my opponent, but now I'm going to become a demon and run with it. Maeda says, who is the ideal wrestler who runs with it? And Kento said, it has to be Hulk Hogan, doesn't it? That feeling of overwhelming splendor, just like his. Maeda says the V4 match with Yuma will be a good place to unveil this new attitude. And Kento says, that's right. He says he will create an era, but I wonder if he truly can. If I can't feel that in the ring or it's not good enough, then I'll defeat him handily. It's different than before, so it's possible the match will end in seconds. Up until now, Yuma Aoyagi has always been against Kento Miyahara, hasn't he? I want to see who Yuma Aoyagi is without me. Yuma was mad about this interview on Twitter and called Kento selfish. Yeah, I thought this was um, really stupendous. We've we've talked about this um, interview quite a bit on Talking Triple Crown, but I absolutely loved only those who can keep up should follow. I think that was just a really cool line from Kento and just really sums up um, who he has been coming um, through this whole Next Dream storyline and and who he is now is this guy that's just becoming, and we'll talk about it in, in, in a later interview, becoming a wall. And he's like, if you can't keep up, then, you know, what can I do for you? I'm not going to push you to, to, I'm not going to pull you along. So I think it's just really incredible. And um, yeah, I think that's, um, I think that's great. And then you get into um, him with Yuma once again, talking about, I wonder if it'll be good enough. If it's not good enough in the ring, I'll crush him because it's always about Yuma self-actualizing and Yuma having enough faith in himself to make that era. And that is what is ultimately going to defeat Kento. And that's just really interesting to me. The thing I kept leaning on this whole year and, and things that we've been talking about is him saying, I want to see who Yuma Aoyagi is without me. Everything about Yuma Aoyagi has always been against Kento Miyahara. I want to see who Yuma Aoyagi is without me. And then this year, We've seen so many moments that have not been defined for Yuma by his relationship with Kento, right? We started this year, and we'll talk about this as we go on, but we started this year seeing him capture the world tag belts with Naoya Nomura. And we saw him go to Noah and challenge Manabu Soya and Keno and the two of them on their own, right? Completely removed from Kento Miyahara. And those moments were so defining and so important because Again, these comments came at the end of January and all of that stuff with um, them going to Noah came after that, I believe. So again, it's those those 
those moments of Kento pushing him to do these things. And then Yuma being like, you know what? I am going to do these things. I am going to self-actualize and do this and him going out and doing it. Right. But we start to really see Yuma emerge, but I think him calling Kento selfish is almost just as important because Kento is so hyper individualistic. Um, at the end of the day, Yuma is figuring out a way to be a leader of all Japan and to push things into the Aoyagi era and to eventually be, as we'll talk later, a triple crown champion without sacrificing the community that he finds with the people that he is working with at mm-hmm. any given time, which is very different than how Kento approaches this. And that's where you're going to see a split in the philosophies of how these two work with people. It'll be completely divergent there in terms of Kento being hyper-individualistic and Yuma coming the leader that they have always wanted him to be, but he will not be as individualistic. He will still want to work with people in a very different way. And when I say this, I also mean in character, because I think behind the scenes, Kento works with quite literally everyone. This is very much an in-character conversation. (laughs) From there, I'm going to get into match nine in their series. It happens on February 4th, 2023. This is for the Triple Crown, which is what Maeda was hinting at at the end of that interview. This one takes place in Esforta Arena Hajiochi, Severina. Kento is in the Budokan gold gear with red details and the bigger feathers on the collar of the robe. Yuma is still in the most recent costume, which is great. It's an amazing costume. Yuma is world tag champion with Naoya Nomura as Nomu Yagi. They had beaten Mia Ken to Takia for the belts on January 22nd, 2023. Um, and now he has some commentary for this challenge and Yuma high fives him on his way into the ring, which is very sweet. The Yuma chants are loud in this match. We begin very much the same as previous matches. It's really the same spot just to get Kento drop kicked off the apron and both of them to the outside. We get headbutts from Kento. Kento throwing Yuma into a ring post, which looked kind of gross. Kento is insistent the ref ask him over anything where Yuma seems to struggle to get up, but Yuma psychs himself up, hits Kento. Kento shrugs it off, and then they go into a big sequence of strikes and a diving body attack from Yuma. There is a certain brutality to this match that I think ties into the world tag title match. We had just seen these two in on January 22nd, which was a perfect wrestling match, as we kind of alluded to before. Yuma does a calf running straight into the barricade to exemplify this point, and Kento follows that with a backdrop to Yuma off the apron. There's also a fucking bananas running powerbomb in this match from Kento, where I think Yuma gets the most airtime Kento has ever given him on that spot. After a wild forearm uppercut exchange that landed in a huge boot from Kento to Yuma, you get Yuma unable to get up as the audience chants for him. Kento paces around and counts for the ref, which is really interesting. It was actually very funny. He yells, come on, quite a bit, and then signals for the audience to cheer. But Yuma is faking. He turns it into his three German attempts for a two count rather than going for endgame as he has done previously. Again, anti-formula. There is still an endgame attempt, of course, and Kento eventually breaks out of it by standing and just swinging his fist into Yuma's back, which looks nuts this creates the perfect amount of space between them and when yuma runs at kento he hits the lariat followed by a second lariat for a two count and then yuma gets to kick out of the shutdown suplex for the first time too so first time lariat use first time shutdown suplex kick out Spin kicks still appear to be a real weakness of Kendo's. Scary Rockstar Buster kick out at 299 from Kendo. The fool calls from commentary when Yuma hits it are bananas, and the crowd is amazing in this. They add so much to this match. Another scary 299 kick out from Kendo. Kendo ultimately puts Yuma away with a hard fought and one shutdown suplex at 2810, and I mean hard fought and one. But you can feel in this one how close Yuma is to defeating him. Victory is right there for Yuma to take, and Kendo looks 
so much more mortal than he ever has against Yuma Aoyagi. Afterward, Nagata comes out and challenges. After he leaves, Kento and Yuma comes to the decision to put aside next stream and the main unit and just join forces under one banner. This led a lot of us to believe there would be more of an All Japan versus Outsider story happening because of the presence of Nagata, Doi, and others, but it didn't quite end up happening that way. Regardless, the important takeaway is that they agree to work together as one big group for the betterment of All Japan. Yuma and Kento also shake hands here, and I completely disagreed with that handshake and also this entire segment but mostly that handshake i didn't love the timing of that i think if you just ignore that this is a very weird storyline in the context of everything that had been happening and went on to happen the most important takeaway for kento and yuma is that kento is starting to treat yuma like a face of the company even though he hasn't beaten him or won the triple crown yet which is a huge step forward in their relationship yeah, it's massive, and and we'll talk about it a little bit more after we talk about the post match comments. But um, yeah, this this match is stupendous. It's so good. <laughs> the kick out um, from the shutdown suplex is so good that we like retroactively forgot there were lariats in this match. <laughs> it's so true. That's how tense that moment is. Is that like I it rewrote my entire DNA. Um, But those lariats are really cool. That sequence is fantastic. And it is very, very significant that Kento from this point on, like throughout this year is using those lariats more and more and more, um, which I think we could talk about forever with Kento. But um, in the context of this, it really does show who Yuma is and who he is becoming um, and who he is becoming to Kento. And then as we get to the end with this post-match, we're really starting to see what you were saying earlier about Yuma being this leader. Like this was a lot of, this was his idea. Um, So yeah, he's, he is really putting himself together as a leader for all Japan. It's just really cool to see. It is. And to your point about the, the Lariat and Kento, I think where I've landed with how often he's used it this year So much of it, I think, is his own personal and quiet, because he's not really talking about it out loud yet. I think it's his personal journey in in deciding that he is ready um, in kayfabe to accept Kensuke office as a part of his identity as a wrestler. That's where I think we're going with this. We'll see if I'm correct. But him finally using it here with Yuma, the setup for it is is fucking stunning. It's amazing. Um, And so fascinating. And, And now he's used it with all three of them. Right. Jake had it first. Then you get to Naoya. And now we've gotten to Yuma finally um, and having earned that. I think it's almost like there's some weird badge of honor and respect to finally get a lariat off of Kento. And so, yeah, we get it here. Gosh, yeah, this match is, is, is something else. So in the ring afterwards, Yuma says we don't need next stream or any other small units in the current All Japan Pro Wrestling. Let's put aside our small frame of reference and work together to make All Japan Pro Wrestling more exciting. Let's do this. And then Kento said, after all, Next Dream was originally established to bring a new win to All Japan Pro Wrestling. So it would be interesting if the main unit of All Japan Pro Wrestling and Next Dream work together. Let's get rid of these boundaries. There's something about this that like reminds me of Marafuji taking away all the factions in Noah. <laughs> There's a vibe to it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't love it. And to be clear, uh, Gunier of Anarchy did not participate in this shit because they have more sense. All right, so backstage... Kendo has his his big, you know, backstage thing, and he's talking a lot about Yuji Nagata and setting up that match for himself. He starts to talk about 
the storyline that we just kind of saw play out and he goes i can't wait to see what kinds of combinations and cards will be born shuji ishikawa yuma aoyagi the juniors atsuki aoyagi rising hayato ryo inue and super rookie yuma anzai i'm looking forward to seeing what kind of combinations will emerge and then he goes right back into talking about nagata so not a ton of comments here specifically about yuma but more about how he's really excited about this merge of the main unit and next stream and what's going to come out of all the different relationships and matches from that but then a lot of this is just straight up setting up um, the match with nagata yuma says kento miyahara you really are the captain of all japan pro wrestling it was another complete defeat but i haven't given up i still have the world tag team belts since i hold the world tag team belt i am responsible for not only the triple crown but also the world tag team championship with nomura-san i know that nomura-san is a dear partner of mine who will work with me to make all japan pro wrestling more exciting beyond the small size of the company kento miyahara no captain i want to challenge you for your belt again you need to hang on to the triple crown as heavyweight champion of all japan pro wrestling please don't lose to yuji nagata i need to crawl up again and pull it off you that's what we were all saying yeah (laughs) i really wanted yuma to win here if only so we didn't have to deal with the nagata defense but you know it is what it is in the aftermath of all of this that whole segment marked the end of next stream 2.0 but yeah kento yuma atsuki hayato yuma anzai ryo inue and shuji ichikawa all use zanichi shin jedai now and that leads us to match 10 between Kento and Yuma on April 4th, 2023. Naturally, another champion carnival match between them, Block A and Quark and Hall. For this, Nomuyagi lost their world tag belts to Kano and Soya on March 21st in Ota City General Gymnasium. And then Naoya had to go out with a knee injury that he has since had a delayed surgery for, like we were talking about before. He should be getting his PT right now. These guys are both in the same gear um, as we last saw them, but Yuma wore Naoya's sash along with his to the opening ceremony of Champion Carnival, and he brought it with him to his first match of the tournament against Kento. If Kento and Yuma have always wrestled with an anti-formula, then this one succeeds in taking that anti-formula to a whole new level because while you get the hits and the standards throughout, you also get a lot of little things that drive Kento even further away from his formulas and his patterns. I think that is the strength of Yuma and Kento series as a whole. They do a lot to keep things exciting through their ability to change things up together. To this point, the opening sequence includes Kento avoiding the baseball slide, but this only sets Yuma up for his calf branding. Um, Kento is very, very aggressive early on in this, and he bodily throws Yuma into the barricades in front of commentary and then drops him onto the barricade. Menzo Ray is on commentary, and his reaction to that is actually really funny. This gives Yuma issues with his neck to sell moving forward because Yuma works best when he's the baby face in peril overcoming someone. Um, the referee that was in this match is our red shoes because he falls for shit, like Kento pointing into the crowds so that Kento can mess up Yuma's face while he looks. Unbelievable. This match is intriguing for how brutal Kento is, how dismissive he is defaulting to being, and how he shrugs off some of Yuma's forearms, um, how fast and hard he's coming in with knees and strikes to put Yuma down. This is very on purpose. Again, Yuma has to be the babyface in peril, and the crowd is chanting so hard for Yuma, so it's just driving the stakes even higher. They build to a frenetic pace of just bomb after bomb, going shot for shot with each other. Kento gets trapped in endgame and breaks it in the same way as the previous match by standing and swinging his fist into Yuma's back until Yuma lets go. Weirdly effective. Then a big forearm to Yuma's face and a blackout knee to create more space. And finally, Kento clobbers Yuma with a lariat, followed by another massive lariat that sends Yuma spinning into the air that results in a two count. The crowd is still chanting for Yuma. That spot looks amazing. 
We only get our first shutdown suplex battle from there. That's another new thing to this match. Um, it's literally the first shutdown suplex attempt of the match. But Yuma catches Kento with spinning kicks and fucking maximum. Now he has finisher. And when Kento kicks out of that, Yuma puts him away with the fool at 18 minutes and 22 seconds. This is Yuma's first win in a singles match against Kento. And his joy is something you really have to see. I don't know that I could actually like write it to describe it to you in a way that would do it justice you just have to watch it it's one of my favorite moments of celebration post pin i think i've ever seen kento leaves with rio inoue immediately and yuma addresses the crowd it's such a beautiful match like this match is just so good and it's so rewarding it's extra rewarding when you're watching it all in order which i do encourage everyone to do um and just experiencing it in order as we finally get to this point where he is able to defeat Kento Miyahara in the singles match and and he does it with the maximum with now you know Mura, which just speaks to you know it speaks to who Yuma Aoyagi is and and that like feeling of community and leadership and love that he really just carries and, and it's just incredible and um yeah this match is we've talked about it at length on talking triple crown it really is a perfect match yeah this match is extraordinary it's the pace that they set it's the brutality yeah. My God, it's it's like the, the Lariat spots were outstanding. Yuma just looks like a complete wrestler. He finally looks like a complete wrestler. And that was a journey for him. Like that was hard fought for him, I think, to get there. Um, and he manages to, to do it here. I mean, he just looked fucking amazing. And then for him to bring, you know, Maximum into the match and to use that to to beat Kento, it's so important because even though Next Dream doesn't exist right now in All Japan, him bringing Maximum into it, him bringing that piece of Naoya into the match is really hearkening back to their history and how important that Nextream history is. Even if Nextream is not an active faction within All Japan right now, Nextream is still so important. It's going to drive the stories between these guys for years to come. And it was a beautiful moment of, like you said, of, of just a friendship and, and love for someone that he just adores and that should still be there with them right now wrestling, but had um, his year cut short by a, a tremendously awful knee injury. But that's Yuma. He tends to be the heart in a very overt way of that group of four guys. I think that, you know, it, publicly, you're not going to get a lot of sentimentality from Jake, Kendo, and Naoya. They're just not built that way <laughs> the three of them they're not going to do that kento in particular tends to stay in character but yuma is is the heart and i think that like in these moments where like he's bringing you know now he has sash with him and then he hits maximum to help put kento away uh making it not just about himself but about Naoya as well for his first win over kento like that's such a beautiful thing it speaks beautifully to to yuma and his heart and what he represents to them so in the post-match Yuma says, first of all, I won my first match. I won by borrowing Nomura-san's maximum. I don't think Nomura-san will be watching anyway, so I think he'll be fine with that. But I do kind of hope he sees it. Today was my first official victory in the Champion Carnival, which I grabbed with the power of Nomuyagi. My goal is to win the championship for the second year in a row and then win it again next year for the third year in a row. I will definitely wrestle in the championship match in Oto Ward, so I'll keep up the good work. And then he goes on from there to talk about his next match, which was against T-Hawk. For the record... Uh, Nomura saw it <laughs> and he said on uh, Twitter more or less to for Yuma to not worry about him and to keep going which is uh, really cute oh. Kento said oh I lost my head hurts even superstars can make mistakes <laughs> but I can't accept it his existence as long as I'm still an active wrestler I can't admit it 
next up then in the champion carnival it's one after another so there's always someone new to see and then from there he just goes on to cut a promo on june saito he doesn't he barely acknowledges yuma by name here in the sake for the sake of setting up the next match with june saito but i loved reading that he said but i can't accept it his existence because now with yuma having beaten him he is mortal he is the most mortal he has ever, ever been. And if Yuma, the baby of the group, is the one that's beating him, he's a 27-year-old, then they've caught up to him now. And it's it's really going to make him reflect and think on that. So hearing him, or seeing him say, but I can't accept it, his existence, that's going to be hard for him. Yuma's going to become a different type of thorn in his side, at least when it comes to their singles matches. Yeah, it's very exciting that from here on out, we're now going to um, get to see Yuma try to make him accept it and see if if he ever does, if he ever uses the word rival for it. And um, that's just immensely exciting and only speaks to more and more that we're going to see in their singles matches together. So in the aftermath of all of this, the day after altogether again on June 10th, the Aoyagi brothers went and won the tournament to crown the inaugural Tenu Project Tag Champions. Kento, however, went over to Noah and confronted Keno and Soya, who still had the world tag belts they won from Noyagi, to let them know he and Yuma would be challenging for them. Kento and Yuma defeated Congo on June 15th in Corrigan Hall, but this has not been, then or since, a next stream reunion between the two. This is not a next stream Kento and Yuma at all. The dynamics have changed completely since Yuma defeated him for the first time, and this is absolutely by design to make sure Yuma doesn't get swallowed back up by Kento's light, and so that he is looked at as a leading face of the company on his own merits, and to that end, I think it's working really well. Yeah, we've gotten to that point of now he can stand next to Kento, which he has talked about way back um, when, you know, now we know what that looks like and we can see what that looks like. I think that's just really cool how their dynamic has changed. The very next day on June 16th at Oda City General Gymnasium, Kento and Yuma defended the world tag belts against Atsuki and Rising Hayato in an incredible match. Even though Nextream is not active right now, this was absolutely a Nextream match steeped in their histories with each other. On July 2nd in Korokin, Yuma Aoyagi defeated Yuji Nagata to become Triple Crown Champion for the first time. In holding the Triple Crown, the 10 new Project Tag Titles, and the World Tag Titles, he became a Six Crown Champion. So from here, I want to pivot to a very illuminating article from um, August 2023. This was a Tospo web one, so there wasn't an author attached to it. But this is an interview with Kento that I think illustrates so much of what we can expect for him and how he's going to be working with not only Yuma, but other people that are coming up in All Japan right now. If you're an All Japan fan and you've been keeping up, we're seeing the rise of Ryuki Honda. And we are also seeing the rise of future ace of the company, Yuma Anzai. And they are calling for generational change. And it really does harken back to that period of time when Nextream, the first version of Nextream, were doing the same exact thing. So we can feel that shift happening once again. So the interviewer asks, after losing to Ryuki Honda in the second round, and they're referring to uh, the second round of Royal Road here, it seemed as if the wave of the new age of All Japan was about to create a swell that would engulf Miyahara. And Kento says, the landscape has completely changed from a year ago. That's a good thing for All Japan Pro Wrestling. And I think my theme for the 15th anniversary and beyond will be how I can be a wall in that new landscape. With no Triple Crown, it'll be crucial to see how much of a mark you can make in the future. And Kento says, that's right. After losing the belt and doing various things afterwards, I think September 8th will be the culmination of the first half of the year. That is how I see it. I think Kento Miyahara and Yuma Anzai's value has increased because they have fought wrestlers from various organizations. In that sense, I think this is a card that wrestling fans can look forward to. 
What was the main reason why you chose Anzai as your opponent for the commemorative match? Is this referring to his 50th anniversary match just happened in September? Kento says, as an individual, I have fought many top wrestlers in the pro wrestling world, so I found myself thinking, what will Kento Miyahara do next? I nominated him because I thought I would be able to liven up the All Japan Pro Wrestling by fighting a super rookie like Yuma Anzai, who I must admit is in fact a super rookie. As you said earlier, you are now in an era where Miyahara is a wall. Isn't that right? And Kento said, unlike now, I have been trying to elevate young wrestlers. I used to try to elevate young guys like Jake and Yuma. That was two or three years ago. At that time, I was trying to create rivals, but there are now so many talented wrestlers, there is no need to do that anymore. So as such, I thought it would be more interesting for Kento Miyahara to be a wall. When I look at it objectively, that is where I stand. I feel that way. For the 50th anniversary match, I was thinking of completely destroying him. Wrestling fans don't necessarily want to see a good match, do they? I would like to celebrate my 50th anniversary by crushing him. That is a stance you have never taken before. Kento said, I think that's what the fans want me to do next. If I do that, I'll be able to find a new version of myself again, and I'll be able to show fans a new view. This seems to be a new challenge for you, doesn't it? Kento says, it's a new challenge. I'll become a wall and crush him. I think the theme of this 50th anniversary match is how I can show off killer Kento Miyahara. I think there are a ton of people who think it's going to be a good match, but it's actually about how I can beat them all down and show my killer Kento Miyahara. So that's why you are not trying to elevate others, but to become a wall. And Kento says, that's what's needed. There is no need for me to elevate and no one wants that. I think a different kind of battle has already started. It started with the Royal Road Tournament. I think there will be even more. So now with my 50th anniversary coming up in Yoyogi. Is it a battle between the current ace and the man who will surely become an ace in the future, isn't it? And Kento says, yes, that's right. I feel that it is a fateful battle, a battle of destiny. So I really wanted to share that because this is him giving you his plan for how he's going to treat everyone moving forward which he's kind of been telegraphing for a minute now but he really is very explicit here and that he is now becoming a wall he is not going to seek to elevate people in the way that he might have done so with jake Nalia, and yuma before because there's no need to he is the pinnacle he doesn't need to establish rivals anymore everyone is going to have to do what they need to do to come to him and to rise to the occasion and eventually defeat him. And so in that way, he has now moved into that position of being a Suwama or an Akiyama here. And he that's finally come full circle to him. And it's really weird to sit with that because Kendo is 34. Yep. I don't think he's quite, he's not quite 35 yet. I think Katsuhiko is 35, which means Kento is just behind him. So still perhaps um, 34, I believe. He's so young. And yet he is the wall now for these guys because of the level and breadth of his achievements since becoming the ace of all Japan. Yeah, that's perfectly said is now we get to see um, this new era of how he's going to create a rival. And by that, he's going to be a wall and they're going to have to create that rivalry in themselves. And that's just really cool and really interesting to see. And it's it's a whole new era for all Japan in that way. And in that way, Yuma has really succeeded. So we have the final next stream match, which is going to be going back in time a little bit. But I really wanted to end on this match because there is a beautiful Kenji Miao article that I want to really end on so we can talk about some thoughts on the future um, for next stream. To hearken back to all of that, on December 7th, 2022, it was announced that Jake would leave All Japan at the end of the month, his destination unknown to us at the time, but we know today he has been appearing as a freelancer in pro wrestling Noah, and he is, as of this recording, still the GHC heavyweight champion. He might not be so in a week. We'll see. At a press conference to formally announce his departure on December 8th, Jake said of his decision to leave, quote, 
I was absolutely determined to work for the company until the 50th anniversary, and I was not opposed to any conditions, or rather, I was working in accordance with them. But after the 50th anniversary, the circumstances had changed around me, and I decided to take another step forward. I only live once, so I wanted to take on a challenge. Jake had two more matches, one of which was a next stream reunion match on December 21st in Shinkaba First Ring. That is also their final match, at least for right now. Jake said in the ring afterward, quote, those three guys, this organization, and now Jake Lee. As I said at the press conference, I am truly grateful. You only live once and we're all going to die someday. I'm always thinking about that, and that's why I have to aim for the top. He also envisioned a future reunion with Kento, Naoya, and Yuma, saying, quote, we'll meet again somewhere, even if it takes a different form than it has. And that leads me to this beautiful Kenji Meow article from Shoe Pro 2222 from January 11th in 2023. Although there is a nagging feeling in his heart because he thought they were all rivals who would continue to engage in friendly competition, Yuma Aoyagi does not mind so much saying, quote, it's just like an annual event for All Japan. And he's referring specifically to people leaving All Japan. He is not too concerned about it because he's experienced many departures in his career. He spent his time as a trainee in a deserted dojo after the mass exodus in 2013, but considering the almost complete absence of young players back then, he doesn't feel any of that impact in the current All Japan, which is full of young talent. Of course, Aoyagi himself is part of that power, and now is his chance. I think of Jake Nomura and Aoyagi as a different type of love triangle, and I felt a sense of accomplishment after watching the Champion Carnival Championship match with Jake. Yuma Aoyagi and Naoya Nomura will be competing with the Saito brothers for the right to challenge for the World Tag Team titles in Korokan on January 2nd. Aoyagi has the blueprint to win the World Tag Team title and then go on to capture the Triple Crown heavyweight title. In the ring were Miyahara, Jake, Aoyagi, and Nomura. My mind drifted back to September six years ago. Back then, it was a tag team match between Miyahara and Jake versus Nomura and Aoyagi, and after the match, Nomuyagi joined next stream. The match was so energetic that I could feel the four fighters' determination, and I still regret devoting most of the pages from that issue to the main event, the Royal Road Tournament Final. It was the year Miyahara became the youngest Triple Crown champion in history, and considering the future of All Japan, it was imperative to nurture the young players who would stand opposite him from now on. He wanted Jake, Nomura, and Aoyagi to someday become his opponents. In fact, all three of them are now ready to hold the title separate from Miyahara. The future I envisioned back then has become a reality. I thought this as I watched Next Dream come back to life for one night. This was beautiful. There are no words other than beautiful. I was crying as I was working my way through this. Um, just the way that he covers all of their history and the feelings of, you know, that match in September six years ago and where they've become now and, you know, why they've become that way. And that's because they all needed to stand up to Kento Miyahara and they all needed to be able to stand against him and that's still true that's still true for all of them even as you know they go their separate ways or or dealing with different things in their life but they're still connected to Kento and I think that's a really incredible beautiful thing like you have that actual last match in all Japan with with Jake sort of leaving that door open we talk about that pretty frequently but you have that feeling that next dream isn't really ever going to go away because what it is and what it always was meant to be is four men growing to learn to be rivals with each other. Yeah, that's beautifully said, you know, and reading this again now, I thought about my comments 
pretty much right in the aftermath of Jake announcing he was leaving. And I think on Talking Triple Crown, I called this um, the death of a dream because it was supposed to be the four of them. And I think that what Meow-san does here is illustrate that even with Jake leaving, which is still really upsetting and really hard, frankly, he says, the future I envisioned back then has become a reality. And before that, he had illustrated that Nomuyagi were about to challenge for the right to challenge for the world tag belts against the Saito brothers, another young, young team, right? New team. They're not really as young. (laughs) Yeah, they're not really as young as other people, but just just a newer team in the all japan scene and then he said that yuma could potentially become triple crown champion this year and what happened like they won the belts and then yuma became triple crown champion and he touches on here that all of these guys now the three of them they can hold the title separate from kento separate from kento and i think that was always the point these this experience of being in next stream and then of being with each other was always meant to prime them to be main event people triple crown holders and i think what is also really important is that moving from here jake went on to immediately become the ghg heavyweight champion and there is a beauty to that that really is the point their time together was to prepare them for being at the forefront of this industry and that makes it less the death of a dream for me even if i want in a lot of ways for jake to not be separated from them at the same time next dream achieved its goals and now we are looking at an all japan that frankly doesn't get enough credit for the amount of young new talent being given opportunity after opportunity and you can see the game plan in terms of how they're going to build people we can see what they're doing with honda we can see what they're doing with anzai we see what they're doing with rio inue with hokuto amori right and i don't know that all japan always gets credit for what they do with their young people because it's far more interesting for the twitter crowd to cling to well they just had kojima win royal road right but it's the stuff in between that is so loud. And I think that some of that is so driven by what Nextstream 1.0 did together. And to your point, you know, that's that's the part that never actually dies, does it? It's it's that this keeps going on, even if Nextstream is not an active faction anymore, even if Jake's not in All Japan anymore, that still goes on forever. So thank you guys so much for listening to this and for all of your support endlessly. We are just overwhelmed at all times by some of the lovely comments that we've been getting like via email um, and in our, in our DMs. And we also have 53 five-star reviews on Spotify, which is just mind-blowing. Thank you all so much. If you haven't already, please leave us a five-star review on Spotify or your preferred podcast platform. It really does help us in fighting through the algorithm and getting more people listening to us. And in our show notes, there'll be things like uh, links to our Kofi if you want to support us with a gift that we can use it towards um, translating and all of that. That would be huge. So um, if you want to consider that, things like that will be in our show notes. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can find me at Kai with two eyes. You'll have to request to follow me, but I'll approve you. So feel free to do that. <laughs> you can also find me on Blue Sky under the same username. What am I forgetting, Rachel? We are back to a bi-monthly schedule. So uh, if you are looking for what we've got going on, then please check out our Twitter. We are putting up little calendars. We've got one deep dive a month, and then we've got some fun stuff planned for our other episode for the month. So you definitely want to keep up with that. And then if you want to follow me, uh, Rachel, I am at Milky Star on Twitter. That's M-I-I-K-Y star. And then under Blue Sky, I am Milky Star, but with the correct spelling, M-I-L-K-Y star.
And of course, you can find us on Twitter at Kickout299. You can also find us on Instagram, also at Kickout299. Thank you all so much, and we'll talk to you soon.